0: Alan. morning, Monday morning. I can now predict no snow for Christmas. As of this moment, no snow for Christmas. Cold this week. Light little bit of snow, but nothing to worry about. OK? That's here in London. I couldn't care less about the rest of the world. I'm really not. It'll probably be snowing somewhere, won't it? you had a good weekend. Very good, wasn't it? Very nice indeed. We had some nice weather on Sunday. Bit chilly in the morning, but the rest of it was fine. Then that story built up again... And there's a backlash against these prank DJs. Uh, everybody's had their six penneth. I shall add my six penneth into the mix. I've been in the business long enough to know exactly what prank calls are. I've never heard of anything like this happening after a prank call. I mean, I just haven't heard of this at all. It's, it was just one of those things you couldn't foretell. It was a bit embarrassing. Unfortunately, you know, they've come off worse. They've had to quit. Whereas, in fact, really, it should be the person in charge of hospital security. Somebody at that hospital should actually have explained... Although, why in God's name you've got nurses answering the telephone? I've got no idea. I mean, this is a private hospital, isn't it? Don't they have any money for somebody to answer the telephone late at night? I don't I don't quite understand. Perhaps they should have a whip round to try and find some more staff. It's a private hospital. I mean, were there people guarding her? It's ridiculous. I mean, the, the, the breach of security is only due to the hospital's failure to provide somebody to answer the telephone, or failing that to brief people on hoax calls. You know, in this day and age, it's it's perfectly feasible, and obviously quite easy at some so-called top hotels to just... I mean, you can't even do this on an NHS. Can you imagine if she was NHS and somebody phoned up? You'd have to get through the switchboard, first of all. No, I don't know where they are. No, there's no chance you're getting through. No, I'll leave a message. Thank you. Goodbye. They put the phone down. It was just... It was just unfortunate for them that they happened to get through with their, with their crazy accents, which didn't sound at all like the Queen. Nobody had obviously explained to this poor woman. And we don't know the reason that she committed suicide. We have no idea. You can speculate that it might have been an unfortunate chain of events. You have no idea. You know, we don't know what, what went on. We don't know what was going on in her mind. We have no idea of anything at all. You can sit there till the cows come home and speculate. But I'm telling you, nobody knows for certain apart from her. Not even her family know, because it's generally a very private thing. People who want to take their own lives, they've obviously thought about it. They don't just do it on the on the you know on a, on a whim or something like that. But the hospital should have had in place some sort of training for staff. If you've got a member of the royal family there, there should be training in place. So if somebody phones up, there's a code word, and the code word changes when you go to New Scotland Yard, and the royal family are doing you know j- trips around London. It's all planned. There's a there's a group of people who sit down and they have a purple movement or an orange movement or a red movement. And it's it's just, you know, you have to have these things in place. If, if the royal family come in here into this building, as we've had prime ministers come into this building before, there are people who go in and prepare the way for them. So they walk in, they go straight into the lift is held open, they go straight into the lift up to the floor and they do that. They can't be hanging around like the rest of us. And in the case of this poor nurse who answered the phone and seriously believed that she was speaking to the Queen, I mean, if you've heard the recording, it doesn't sound a bit like the Queen. It just sounds like somebody having a bit of a... And then people in the background, woof, 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 like that. And it's just... It's ridiculous. So, unfortunately, um, it had an unhappy ending. It was, you know, it was the most unfortunate ending you could ever predict. They can't have predicted, because these prank calls have gone on for ages. I mean, for ages and ages and ages, I was reading through one of the papers today and I, I get sick and tired of trying to correct people because I hate people uh, who are sloppy with their with their journalism and people who haven't who haven't made any effort. And I forget which paper it was in now. Oh, that's right. Here it was, Peter McKay writing in the Daily Mail. He says, "Sick joke to play on a hospital." Disc jockey Steve Pink, who once got through to the Prime Minister Tony Blair, no, he didn't. Sloppy, sloppy journalism, Peter. It was John Culshaw who got through. It was on Steve Penck's show, but he didn't get through. Okay, Steve Penck didn't do it. It was John Culshaw. God, the amount of times we had to correct sloppy journalism because people who just repeat the same thing all the time. It was John Culshaw who got through. Okay, and we've had lots and lots of other people. In fact, there's even a programme on the BBC at the moment, and it's called Prank Patrol. They've got one in Australia called. Prank Patrol, and it's where kids nominate somebody to be pranked. I mean, to be honest with you, it's half of its heart attack material. But they do it, they do it on so many different programmes. The amount of programmes, Dick and Dom, the only act with two, not Doms in it, uh, actually do pranks. All these people do it. You don't expect the outcome. That's the trouble. That's what's unfortunate about it. It was it was totally unforeseen. Anybody else, they go, oh, God, you didn't fall for that one. People have got no sense of humour nowadays. And so that's what people now, so 21,000 people have written to these people at their radios. I couldn't even be bothered. I couldn't even be bothered to waste my time sending an email to people. I mean, the radio station have said we'll be fully cooperating. However, in Australia and around the world, a bidding war has broken out to interview the two radio presenters. People are now willing to pay good money. The radio station have said, listen, no money will be changing hands. They want to talk about it because they're just absolutely devastated. How are they to know? They've probably done hundreds of these. Hundreds of these things, and this is the first time one has backfired. However, the rule is, in this country, how it applies in Australia, I've got no idea, if I phone somebody up, I have to tell them I'm recording the conversation for transmission. That gives them the right to put the phone down at the end. It's as simple as that. I have to legally say to them, I'm recording this conversation for the purposes of transmission. I'm putting you out on my programme. OK? Simple as that. And, that, and that's you know, covered. How it works overseas, I don't know. I don't know how it fits in with Australia and then radio stations over here. I don't, know, I don't know what the law is. They said that their lawyers listened to it and said it was OK. Unfortunately, as I said, it was just unfortunate. It was just unfortunate. Nobody could have foreseen it. Nobody could have guessed what was going to happen. Nobody knew. I mean, you know, I mean, all sorts of things I've been reading on the Internet. Did she have any medical history of depression? Was this I mean, because normally if something like this happens, your boss will say to you, God, you screwed up there. And I'd have turned around and said, wait a minute, I screwed up. You screwed up by not training me. Never warned me. I came into nursing. Nobody says, and by the way, as part of your nursing training, we're going to teach you about prank calls from Australian radio stations. Noel Edmonds has made a, made a career out of doing these, these phone calls. Wacky phone calls, funny phone calls. I've got an album of them at home. An album of funny phone calls. And I love them. I absolutely love them. I think they're absolutely brilliant. They're sort of winding up things. You don't expect... It. If somebody comes on and goes... Hello, I'd like to find out if my daughter is OK, my daughter-in-law. And somebody would go, it sounds like Steve Allen. Unfortunately, this woman's case, she thought it was the Queen. I'll put you through. I mean, you know, it's the hospital's fault. I think it's very, very good that they're also coming back onto the DJs, but they weren't to know. They really weren't to know. They had no idea, poor souls. I mean, she's now receiving counselling counselling, mind you, you need counselling if you're in radio nowadays. So I'm sure that one will... I'm sure that Nick Ferrari will talk about that a bit later on this morning. We will, in our free podcast later on, be discussing the X Factor and uh, the worst one won. I mean, I don't predict any career at all there. Terribly sorry. Ugly boy, not remotely interested, really. Couldn't care less. Didn't like the other one, but good news that we were proved right all the time. Chris Maloney turned up for the after-show party, drunk and abusive, And uh, hopefully his career will go nowhere. They had an awful lot of trouble when they went back to Liverpool because he's a professional Liverpoolian. And uh, they had loads of trouble trying to find enough people. So they what call uh, they they, they did what they call papering the house. They got people down from other floors where he works and got them to hold up banners, same banners. They just took with them and gave them to people. say, can you hold these up, hold these up. And so that's what they did because he didn't have enough friends. Not at all surprised. Nasty little piece of work. Nasty little piece of work, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and then we lost the uh, the brightest star in the sky, Patrick Moore, eighty nine. It's what you call a good innings. Might I suppose any any innings is a is a good innings. Um, Chesney Hawkes is pictured in the paper and uh, wearing a T shirt, singing "I lo- I Love Hastings." Nobody turned up for the for the lights, although there seemed to be a few people there, a few a few dozen. He still did his show. Which is good. He did the one and only. And he said, thank you, Hastings, for welcoming me with open arms. And well, that was quite sweet, actually. So, good for him. But the cheesy singer laughed off the criticism, referred to it as his battle of Hastings. He tweeted, whoever started this, please get in touch. The least I can do is buy you a drink. Oh dear, you're going to meet an internet troll. Nothing worse than an internet troll. Here he is, uh, James Arthur. Cheryl's set to return to the X Factor, apparently. Can't imagine why. I mean, she didn't do much for it last time round. And she's suing the American one. Talk about ungrateful. Oh, God, i say... She already got paid the fee for the show for not doing it in America. You know she was dropped because she was... Well, let's put it... I'll put it a too finer point on it. She was rubbish. She was, She's rubbish on everything she does, I'm afraid. It's no good, you know, tarting her up like some sort of bimbo type thing. She opens her mouth and, as everybody will tell you, it's just you, drivel. Drivel comes out, I'm afraid. Not the most pleasant to people, but there you go. So she's now suing... For uh, for the American. She wants more money. She wants 1.3 million extra, I think. <clears throat> she's learnt that, you know, nobody, nobody messes with the Cheryl. You know, a little bit like the Pricey, isn't it? Nobody messes with the Cheryl. And so she wants money for wardrobe, makeup, hurt feelings, you know, I don't know, make a taller kind of thing. She just wants money for everything. 1.3 million. Haven't done a day's bloody work in her life, really. All she's done is has somebody trowel on makeup. Oh, and the verjazzling thing. we got that later. We got that later, the vajazzling story. Um, because apparently more people are turning up in hospitals where it's been d- people have cut themselves, all sorts of dangerous things. So my advice is, it's, it's a bit like sunbeds, isn't it? You know, you don't, you don't have sunbeds anymore. Like you want to get a tan, either put a fake tan on or go and sit on a tropical beach. Sunbeds are not necessarily the best thing for you. You know, People, people don't know about it they just lie on them for ages to go toasty and that's about it. So when you have vajazzling, made famous by Amy Childs, to be honest with you. I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Ridiculous. Uh, Mandela is in hospital, Nelson Mandela. He's said to have uh, stopped talking. He's 94, for God's sake. you think he'd want to stop talking by now. And uh, the Spice Girls musical. Now, I think it's tonight. I think tonight is first night. But I say Spice... It's got the Spice Girls music in it, but I don't think it's... I think there's no further than that. I don't think so. So they, they've interviewed all of them except except Vic. So they've got Baby Spice and Sporty Spice and Jerry Halliwell, which is lovely. So there they all are. And um, and I'm sure it'll be absolutely wonderful. I'm not going, incidentally. I can't be doing, but I did go to see Matthew Bourne's Sleeping Beauty. Packed solid at uh, Sadler's Wells on Saturday. Brilliant. Except for the couple who decided to take their very small child, age two, in there. A more stupid thing I've never seen in my life, because this kid talked all the way through... And in the end, they had to take her out, came back in again, she carried on talking, took her out, brought her back in again, carried on talking. It ruined it. But the best thing was, A, it's brilliant, B, it's sold out, and C, they do say at the beginning, make sure your mobile phone is turned off. Because the light from the mobile phone is very distracting for the people performing on the stage, and it's also very annoying for people around you. So uh, I did lean forward at one point and say to the girl in front, turn your phone off. Off, defo. All right? That's what he said to you. Turn your phone off. Quarter past four. LVC 97.3. Action with Steve Allen. What's the funniest thing? We're all sitting there waiting for Sleeping Beauty to start, uh, which is Matthew Bourne's production, and it's, it's very, very, very good. That's all I can tell you. I like everything that Matthew Bourne touches. And then uh, we were in the middle of our row. We were row... F- and we were... S- what do we have? We had... 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And at one point, we're all sort of sitting there, you know, we've just opened the, uh, the fruit tellers because you have to if you go to the theatre. You've got a little bottle of water, you've got your fruit tellers. And this bloke and his family come down, and they're standing on our line, and he's saying, so we couldn't, I couldn't quite hear probably, so I had to shh, so lean forward, and he was saying to him, Excuse me, you're sitting in our seats. And it was really embarrassing, because he's got him and his family. And so there's four of them standing there. He said, you're, you're in our seats. And he held the ticket up to show the woman next to us, which had the, the seat it had her seat number on it. And so she went, you're on the wrong tier. You're on the wrong tier. You're upstairs, love. And you've never seen anybody eat your humble pie like it. It was hilarious. I mean, I practically stood up and cheered, because he was so he was so rude. You know, you're sitting in our seats. And he held the ticket up, and she went, second tier, love, Upstairs. He went with his tail between his legs. There was nothing he could say. He had to reverse the whole family out of the line. God, dear, I tell you, some people. Uh, Bob disagrees. Whilst it's true no-one could have expected a suicide, these calls are designed to humiliate unknowing people. No, they're not. No, they're not designed to humiliate at all. They're absolutely not. I've been in the business 35 years, and I'm telling you, they're not designed to humiliate. That's, that's not to do with it. It's to get a laugh. It's not to humiliate... Oh, no, no, if you wanted to humiliate, you'd have shouted obscenities down the phone or, or pretended to be, you know, something different. No, 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 they weren't designed to humiliate. It was they didn't think they were going to get that far. It kind of ruined their prank because they actually got put through, Where somebody go, yeah, very funny, and put the phone down. But, of course, they didn't. They put them through. They're not designed to humiliate anybody. And definitely not. I've heard a million prank phone calls, believe you me. It's designed to entertain Not humiliate, I'm afraid. Sleeping Beauty and Joe Allen says Noreen, fantastic. Actually, had a great time at Joe Allen's. We had a very, very nice meal in there. It's under new ownership now. Richard Polo has relinquished. I think he sold it for about a million pounds. But I think I'm led to believe that the um, that the rent there is astronomical. Astronomical. She says. Then you had the car wash. You put it on Twitter. She says. I love that. Remembers me. Both very good. And uh, birthday wishes to Christo and our friend Faye, an avid listener. I think Christo's 21 again. Do you know, he's 63. I d- I'm really, th- I find it absolutely amazing that he's he's ever tried to deny his his true age. 63 now. He's uh, had a lot of work done. You know, he's had a lot of surgery and stuff like that. I mean, which I mean, we're not supposed to talk about because it's apparently it's very unhealthy to to have anybody talking about surgery on the radio. do hear about things like that this time of the morning, do you? Much sure rather hear about celebrities and um, and the fact that James Arthur, a deeply deeply unattractive person, has won the X Factor. He looks like he's uh, a... Of course, I mean, as we know, he's having a bit of a spat with Frankie Boyle. Enjoy your one album, James, because that's about as far as it will go, I'm afraid. Christopher Maloney pulled out of last night's final after turning up drunk and abusive at rehearsals. What a waste of space that poor little person is. Never mind, you've had your five seconds. Bye-bye. Off you go. Because when he was kicked out, he went, don't worry, I'll be bigger than the show, and I thought, in your dreams, pal, you can't sing for Toffee. I've heard better... I mean, he was... I forget which song he was singing, but he was so flat. I didn't even know I got that far in the competition. He cannot sing. Might be fine. It might be fine if, you know, you're singing on a cruise ship. If you're singing on a cruise ship. But to be honest with you, you know, it's, it uh, he, he just couldn't sing. He couldn't sing. Absolutely awful, isn't it? Absolutely awful. But never mind, that's the last... You won't hear of him again, I'm afraid. Um... Another one here. What were the judges thinking? The winning singer sounded like the cat being scalded while being castrated. Is it entertaining? No, I didn't think so. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I, listen, I knew that the uh, the karaoke singer from the ships who was kicked off because he's not nice uh, couldn't sing for Toffee. We knew that Ryland couldn't sing for Toffee. I don't reckon James Arthur's much cop either. But the tr- I was listening to a little mix uh, track the other day. My God, are they auto tuned? Are they auto? You can hear it click in. In fact, it's so patently obvious. Perhaps, perhaps none of you would notice it, but if you're in the business, you can hear auto tune clicking in. And, uh, and that's when it, it makes them pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. Uh, 84850. Oh. Uh, one here says I think the, uh, the two radio presenters are more devastated about what they've done to the radio station they work for. As to the prank they did, why phone a place where people are unwell? Well, because it was funny. Because it was funny. That's what they were doing. That's what prank calls are. They're funny. We laugh. We laugh, think, "Oh my God! You can't believe you fell for that! How can you not?" Ooh, I, ooh dear! Noel Edmonds did them years ago. Steve Pink attempted to do them and then disappeared completely. And uh, John Culshaw, very good. If you can imitate people, if you can do different voices, then um, then that always works well. You know, you can do it. Steve Pink can't do anything at all, and. Um, And all the papers are talking about it. They've, They've been talking about it for ages. Whether or not there's some ruling in Australia, which is somewhat different to over here, I don't know. I don't know. Phil says, I agree with you, it's the hospital's fault for not training the staff. You know, you have to train the staff. You have to tell people. Listen, there might be people phoning up strange, though it might seem, in this day and age, who might be trying to take the mickey. They might be trying to take the mickey out of you. But I, I still come back to the fact that nobody was trained, and quite clearly there was no security in place at uh, at the hospital. There should have been a switchboard. Why was there no switchboard? It went through to a switchboard. Shouldn't it have gone there, and then she sort of... But, I mean, all these sort of people, 5.30 in the morning, so they don't have anybody on the switchboard. Don't they think that people, you know, people die at 5.30 in the morning? you think they'd have somebody on the switchboard, wouldn't you? it's a private hospital for God's sake you know they've managed to milk the publicity for it and they've written to the radio station they've complained about it I understand it's tragic don't don't get me wrong I think it's absolutely awful but you can't foresee anything like that you cannot foresee but i still maintain there must be something else there must be some other bit of this story that we're not that we're not aware of there must be something else you don't just because you happen to put a phone call through and people go oh it's you and I know it's unwarranted attention but don't take your own life for that do you Good God, there's worst things in heaven and earth. Um, other stories. Jubilant James, as I say in The Express today, the singer who lived on the streets. Oh, God, don't you just hate it when they... All we need is his grandmother to have dropped dead with shock and we're practically in with the winner there. I'm bored with him. I think he's deeply unattractive. I couldn't give a flying forex about him or anybody on The X Factor. I really... I could not care less. You know, I, I more care about treading on an ant than I would about this lacklustre, dreary little TV show. Especially as you had to uh, get Nicole Scherzinger attempting to sing twice on the programme. It was absolutely ghastly. Uh, then there's uh, Cheryl Cole taking her, um, her boyfriend out, paying for him, no doubt, because he's only a dancer, he hasn't got any money at all. And then there was some woman who saw Cheryl... way, well, hey, eh? It's Cheryl! And then sort of... Um, <laughs> you know, Cheryl goes out on the town without a coat again. Face at what, Cheryl? Oh, the, oh, the other woman oh, the winner of X Factor, face looks like a bit of a slap bottom, says the producer, or is that just me? He is deeply unattractive. I mean, you know, whichever way you look at it, it's a silly haircut and his, and his naff little tattoos, which is what Frankie Boyle picked on him. He went, you know, you know, you can have them drawn up first, he said, before you have them put on your arm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's like, there was a, I've, I've got to mention it later on in the free podcast, and it's um, a bit about Helen Flanagan, who apparently has done a bit, you know, I mean, anybody who'll listen to her, You know, she's there because she can't get arrested for love nor money. And uh, she said that she's going to head to Hollywood and she's hoping to be a Bond girl. Which is a bit stupid, seeing as they film them over here. You know, but don't tell her, for God's sake. Perhaps she'll go and stay over there. Don't tell her. Shh. She said, I'm going to Hollywood. I'd I'd like to be a Bond girl. Yes, darling. We film them here, Pinewood. It doesn't matter. You're too stupid to notice. And also, Bond girls with tattoos? I don't think so. The Police Probe into the Sex Abuse by Jimmy Savile could be investigated, uh, could also be investigating claims against 25 other celebrities, the potential subjects, mostly made up of retired TV TV and radio stars. Good God, radio stars as well. Reti- Wait a minute, am I retired? No, I'm not retired, so that's OK. And uh, have been given to detect... Apparently, uh, officers said, are said to believe there's enough evidence to arrest at least a dozen of those named. Isn't it funny? They're leaking like a sieve, the Met Police at the moment. Have you noticed that? They're leaking all over the place. Who who told the papers this? The police. The police are releasing details to the press, you know, in advance of what they're going out to do, so the press can be there when they probably make their arrests or something like that. Apparently, you know, we saw the other week Max Clifford, the PR guru, as he said, anybody who knows me knows this is rubbish. And I, we were discussing this over the weekend, privately amongst ourselves, and saying, how do you prove it? How in God's name can you prove that, that you were underage or it or whatever it happened to be, or you were bu- abused? You know, how do you ever get that proven? The answer is you can't unless you've videoed it. There's no way on God's earth you could ever do that. So somebody can come forward, just a hypothetical situation, Dolly Daydream, you know, famous TV personality, and somebody who's got a grudge against them, goes to the police and go, that person abused me 25 years ago. And the police go, right, right, and make a mental note of that. And then Dolly Daydream is blissfully unaware of what's going on, and all of a sudden, you know, you've been, you've been accused of doing this and that, and we're going to question you for 12 hours. And Dolly Daydream sits there and goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know who this person is. Well, they said they know you, they know where you live. Well, loads of... The postman knows where I live. And I've not slept with the postman, have I? And so it goes on. And before you know where you are, you've got a lot of people who've invented something for their five minutes, mainly with mental illnesses. That's the trouble. It's so easy now to get things done. So if if the police are saying, and they've leaked this already, that there's 25 more people, six, they reckon, will, will be in a few weeks' time. This has come from the police. It hasn't come from, from anybody else apart from the police. It's a sad state of affairs, isn't it, really? Nikki Byrne has been kicked out. They've kept in Denise Van Ooten uh, because she's, that she was complaining that Chris Evans had said something about her. Darling, we were saying it weeks ago. You're a professional West End performer. I don't care whether you've danced professionally in a show. You were trained as a dancer at Sylvia Young. You did tap, ballet and jazz. You know, I mean, don't be stupid about it. You've got far better qualifications than poor Nicky Byrne, who just sort of sat on a stool with his leg crossed and sang a song about his mama. You know that's about as far as it goes with Westlife. life, but, but don't don't start making excuses, Denise. Don't start making excuses. You are a person who's appeared in the West End more than most people, more than most people in that competition, but as I say, I couldn't give a stuff. Oh, I couldn't give a stuff either way. You know, you dance, you don't dance. You sing, you don't sing. You know, as long as you get yourself round a floor, I'm not particularly bothered. I really, do. God, I never know the is that. Oh, it's Eva Longoria and Christiana Rinanoff. Dear Lord above, they're very old to be out, aren't they? They're not at a nightclub, surely. Oh no, that one of the Spice Girls. It's Mel Mel B, I think. Who's the gobby one? Is that Mel B? Oh, I can't stand. Oh, it's down. she's far too rude. Anyway, Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. All your texts and emails, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Time now, this chilly Monday morning, 4.30. Steve Allen. Morning. Listening in Australia, says Harry, stations here have a radio code of practice that's separate from the Broadcasting Act. In relation to recorded calls, as this one was, the person has to give their express consent for the material call to be broadcast. Oh, right, you see, over here, you have to tell somebody that you are recording them for the purposes of playing it back on the programme. They then have the right to say, I don't want that to go out. In this case, they just recorded a conversation without thinking it was probably going to go any further. They probably... I mean, I remember this... uh, other radio presenter years ago, another Australian... It seems to be Australians, doesn't it? I wonder if they all started in Australia many, many years ago. Perhaps it's to get us get us back for sending them out there as convicts in the first place. But uh, but the this other one phoned up Buckingham and Palace and said, Oh, oh good day, mate. It's... Uh, can I speak to the Queen? And he went, No, it's not possible. And so he, he pursued this line, as I said last week, for about three or four minutes. And then the guy said, Well, actually, she's on an official tour of Canada at the moment. And <laughs> he went, Oh, right, thanks, mate. But, you know, they... they, they I mean, in Australia, that's actually seen at, uh, as as sort of, as something funny, you know, because that's Australia, you know, because, I don't know, (laughs) that's just strange, uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, Simon says, I have two CDs from Steve Penkin, his prank calls, I love them, but if you do something that results in the death of someone else, even if you didn't mean to kill them, is that not manslaughter, I don't know how it works over a telephone, I don't know how it works over a telephone. I'm not, I'm not too sure what the law is myself on that one. I've got no idea. Not a clue. Not a clue. Uh, Sue says, I agree the two radio presenters couldn't foresee what was going to happen after the prank call. However, they crossed the line and it be- became a tasteless joke when they rang the hospital. After all, Kate was having a rough time with her pregnancy. Uh, yeah, but they didn't know that, did they? I think they just sort of phoned up. They don't, they don't know a lot in Australia. They really don't, I promise you. They just, all these radio stations are competing for an audience in the morning. Any, same here. Any radio station, it's, uh, it's, it's the kind of thing you have to do to try and get an audience. No good coming on air and going, it's a wonderfully sunny day today in Leicester Square, and we love everybody. You know, you're not going to get an audience for stuff like that, are you? Nobody wants that kind of stuff. Good God, I'd have packed up years ago if that was it. Uh, Sue says, I like a harmless prank call, but in this case it's tainted the wonderful news of the royal baby. No, it hasn't. No, it definitely hasn't. It only has if you want it to. If you want it to, it has. But to be honest with you, it's a bit sad. You don't... See, the trouble is, as I said earlier on, we don't know anything about this woman, Jacintha, do we? We know nothing about her at all. We don't know her medical history. We don't know history. We don't know anything about her. It's tragic, It's an absolute tragedy. But I suppose the big question is, the radio station, who were revelling in the publicity, are now seeing the fact that they've got unwarranted publicity. They've got the kind of publicity that they didn't really expect to get. Now, would there be a situation whereby these two people could go back on air again? Do you think? Because that's the big question, isn't it? Because they're only young their their career has, I suppose, just started. It's in the infancy. They've both done work before. She's an ex-model. How many times do you see that on a breakfast show, an ex-model who becomes a radio presenter? How many times do you see that? Because they like pretty things to look at in the morning. And, you know, he's, he's, I mean, to be honest with you, in terms of radio presenters, he's actually pretty good looking. Generally speaking, radio presenters are not very good. You don't have to be, do you? Your personality comes out through what you're talking about on the programme. So looks do not come into it. Thank God. God, if they did, I'd have been out years and years ago. So can they go back to their jobs? Can the radio station take them back? Or, after they've investigated and they've done their interview, do they then go, listen, we're... I mean, because all they can say in their interview is, listen, we've done hundreds of these prank calls. We've done them all around the world. We've done all sorts of people. We had no idea. We're so, so sorry... But, you know, how could we have foreseen it? The answer is you can't. The answer is you can't. You have no idea. Great shame. Uh, Paul says, uh, James Arthur gives me a migraine. Would you buy his album? I know Dawn likes him. I know Dawn is a big fan of James Arthur. But then perhaps she sees things in people that I don't. But uh, not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. Uh, Simon says, I was in Vegas this year, stayed in the Luxor. Went to see Penn and Teller. Got to see the O show, the Beatles show by Cirque du Soleil, and spent loads of money in the casino. Oh right, that's always the thing about Vegas, isn't it? You, ha- if you go to Vegas, you have to spend money. You have to spend money in the casino. In fact, it's it's not possible. Well, it is it is possible. It's a silly thing to say, but it's not actually possible um, to actually walk through a casino and not put money in a uh, in a machine. Because there are slots everywhere. Even in the little hotel we were at, 2,000 slots they had. 2,000 slots. It's it's not possible. The, the actual check-in desk for the hotel, in most places, that's the, that's the focal bit. Not in the not in the Vegas hotels. <laughs> not in the slightest. That's kind of like a minor bit. 84850. Steve is LBC.co.uk. The unseen villain is the internet. Uh, I bet the Aussies are getting the same level of abuse as the nurses. They are. They are. The hospital will also get, you know, because now we've got internet trolls. It's, uh, it's, you know, people just write here. They don't know the nurse. They don't know anything about them. It's like people who put flowers down, isn't it? People who put flowers down. You know, somebody dies, they put flowers down. And you think, oh, God. we've had it in Twickenham. Luckily, they've now started clearing them away. We had a heroin addict who used to sit on the street and harass women. And, uh, and he died of a heroin overdose. Which kind of, you know, if you're a heroin addict, it's kind of there. And so people've pinned up things about him, and it's all very, very bizarre, I'm afraid. Uh, Junior says, please be nice to James Arthur. He hasn't done anything to you. Yes, he has. He's appeared on my television. He's appeared... I didn't ask him to appear on my television. I definitely didn't ask him. I didn't ask him to open his mouth and sing. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Stevie says, couldn't agree more about the prank call. As sad as it is, I find it hard to believe it's the only factor in taking her own life. Well, I don't... You see, that's what I ask. You know, you've got to be very, very, very depressed. And it's no good, you know, people saying, oh, well, she was very depressed after this. You know, she's a nurse. I thought nurses were tough. You know, tougher than we think they are. They can deal with life and death and situations, you know, and so so they make a phone call. It depends how the hospital reacted, doesn't it? Doesn't it depend how the hospital reacted? You know, if they said to her, don't you ever do anything like this again, and were nasty to her, well, then I can understand it. But they said they didn't discipline her or anything else. I'm sure that, I mean, if I'd been her, I'd have turned round and said, listen, you didn't tell me about prank calls. You didn't say that there would be a situation whereby somebody had phoned up and pretended to be the Queen. Thank you very much indeed. And I agree. Lisa says Frankie Boyle's no oil painting. Who cares? Who cares? He's very, very successful. He's a comedian. Comedians don't have to be oil paintings. If you're buying somebody's album, you want them to look good. You're not going to buy an album from an ugly person, are you? I don't think, are you? Well, I don't know. Oh, no, I only buy uh, albums from attractive people. I wouldn't buy any, any album, you know, from somebody who wasn't attractive, I'm afraid. It's, uh, we're, in a, we're in a business whereby it's based on looks. Based on looks, and you have to have looks to be in the business. I mean, if I was doing The Breakfast Show, I'd have to be a good-looking person. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk Her family in India, this is Jacinta's family, said let us bring her body home for the last rites. It's a bit of a dramatic headline because her husband's already said that that's where they're going to uh, take her back to. Uh, But in fact, every picture I've seen of her, she doesn't look very happy. I know it seems an odd thing. I'd quite like to see some pictures if she was happy and smiling. But, uh, you know, every picture, she doesn't look very happy. There's not a picture of her looking happy at all. But the DJ, the girl, is apparently close to a breakdown. Uh, snow? No. No snow for Christmas. I can honestly put hand on heart. Actually, I asked Chris Lowry, the weatherman. I said, is it going to be snow for Christmas? And he said, well, he said, there might be a little snow this week. We'll get cold. Little tiny snow. And he said, unlikely at the moment of snow at Christmas. Which means the other side of Christmas, we're going to be knee deep in the powdery white stuff which is all very exciting. Uh, If you want a whole load of trouble with your kids, these are the names for naughty and nice. Okay, they've worked out that children who get into trouble fit into certain name categories. This is going to be a little bit depressing for many of you. If you're a nice person and you're a girly, then your name could be Emma, Lydia, oh dear, Grace, Rosie or Elizabeth. If you're a boy, Aaron... Mohammed, Jordan, Alex or Benjamin. And the naughty names, Phoebe, Holly, Natalie, Name and Paige. The naughty boys, Joe, Morgan, William, Jacob and Bradley. Sorry, Bradley Walsh. You're a naughty boy. That's all I can tell you now. That's all I can tell you. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it a shame? There was a thing the other day, on that. I couldn't quite, couldn't quite work it out, but the, um, a senior Tory appeared to back a major shift in drugs law the other day and to, to legalise hard drugs. Who was their witness in the Commons? Russell Brand. What do you want to ask that idiot for? You know, this is the man here who treated the MPs with utter contempt. He's an idiot. He's a total and utter waste of space. You know, the comedian was welcomed by the committee chairman, Keith Vaz, who quite clearly likes seeing his name in the newspapers. He was put in a separate waiting room for the star in his entourage. He arrived wearing a black cowboy hat, a torn T-shirt, jeans and a necklace of multiple crosses. Referring to the committee variously as mate or by their Christian names, he ignored questions, made jokes and played the fool. Well, that's what he is. He's an idiot. A complete and utter idiot. What a waste of time. Why you'd ever ask Russell Brand anything, I can't imagine. I I wouldn't even ask him out across the road, thank you very much indeed. An an idiot. An idiot of the first order. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody says, how would you successfully carry out a prank call if you state up front that you're recording the call for broadcast? That's the law in this country. I didn't say that that's what the law was in Australia. I I don't know what the law is in Australia. Over here, you're supposed to tell somebody. And then somebody goes, OK, fair enough. So they either, they either sort of let it run or they don't let it run. But in Australia, they have different, different rules, I'm afraid. The rules that apply over here do not apply to Australia. Why didn't the hospital, says Jeff, have a strategy for handling the media? It would have been easier to have the staff simply take a phone number and pass it on to the media liaison person or the agency appointed, especially when the hospital has such a high-profile client. I don't condone the phone call, but I think there's a lot of other issues. There's loads of issues. There's loads of issues. They should have had something in place to try and sort out, you know, what would happen if the Queen phoned. I mean, perhaps the Queen's never phoned before. Perhaps the Queen's never phoned. I don't know. But they should have told somebody. They should have actually had it sorted. There should be somebody there who handles the phone calls, you know, from the media. And then the Queen has a a private line through to, Kate, or she phones William on a mobile or something, you know, that's you don't just phone the hospital, do you? Wouldn't have thought so. Uh, Why does awful James Arthur have to keep pulling his mouth to look like a cat's bottom? He does it all the time. Uh, Peter says, I have to disagree with you. If selling albums are based on looks, then Elton John wouldn't sell a single. Who seriously is the best looking person in pop? Elton John is a stunning example of male physique. Well, three male physiques. Oh, no, he's fantastic, Elton John. How can you... Really good-looking. Really good-looking. Unlike his house, which is in the paper today, and it's the house, I think, of Alex Goodhind. He uh, he took four weeks off work to prepare his house for the lights, and he's got 180,000 bulbs, a searchlight that can be seen for almost four miles. Well, we can buy those anyway, about 20 quid. And an estimated £1,000 electricity bill for the month. It didn't disappoint. And there's a picture of it. Uh, however, it is... Completely cheap, tacky and tasteless. I don't mind houses being done up with lights. Actually, if you're driving around town at the moment, nip down to... um, uh, to Knightsbridge and the Mandarin Oriental Hotel have had the whole outside of the hotel done up with lots of lights. I hadn't seen them on before. They look lovely. Looks very impressive. Lots and lots of lights on the hotel. Big sort of Spherical objects uh, hanging up and all with lights on and stuff like that. So well done to them. I thought that looked lovely. I sort of I just opened my eyes as we went round the corner, Scotch corner, and oh look, that looks nice. Very nice indeed. So if you if you're driving round that way, go and have a look. Go and have a look at the lights. All free, isn't it? It's all free. You don't have to uh, don't have to pay for we are going to see the lights. Loads of pictures of the paper today of, you know, how you can get your half-priced beef and salmon for Christmas. Whole fresh Scottish salmon in Morrisons is 4.69 a kilo. I don't know. I don't know how these things work out. What have we got here? Milk, pound. Seems good, doesn't it? Because, as usual, come Christmas Eve and two days before, you'll all be stocking up on everything, won't you? Nuts, satsumas, cakes, biscuits, everything. Everything. And it's, and, you know, it's going to be absolutely wonderful. And then blow me down. You'll have Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and then the sales start. So there you go. Uh, 84850, co dot uh, There's a man here, an ex-hippie, who's made £100 million carpeting Britain with wind turbines. He swapped his battered camper van for a £2.8 million 18th century fort set in nine glorious acres. I don't mind wind turbines. I, don't, I know some people don't like them, but, in fact, if you go to Gran Canaria, I remember seeing them years and years ago. They're all offshore, and uh, I don't have any problem. I did think about having Botox over the weekend. They were doing one of these programmes where they take somebody out, and they go... It was, in this case, it was a woman who was 42, but she looked about between 50 and 60. And so they stand in the middle of a shopping centre, and they ask people, they say, listen, go and have a look at her. Um, and tell us how old you think she is. And then at the end of it, she went, oh, my God, I can't believe it. People think I'm that old. And it's because she smoked and her skin was, was not very good. She'd obviously not looked after it very well. And so she didn't she didn't really bother. So then she went in to have the Botox and the fillers. And the reason she hadn't had it apt- up until now, she said, I don't like the idea of somebody sticking a needle just by the side of your eye. And I don't like that either. But if, if you're trying to sort of iron out all the little crow's feet and everything else and you've got to have it done but I don't fancy that bit I don't fancy that bit at all I wish it was something you could do I mean you could have cosmetic surgery but I think once you've had cosmetic surgery you're on a slippery slope I think once you've had it done you've seen the people in America you know people who've got loads and loads and loads of money in other words you could afford the best and they still manage to look peculiar so the advice is, don't really have cosmetic surgery. I know people have it, you know, a little bit of enhancement here. And then somebody says, well, "Why have you ever thought about having this and your nose turned up or that kind of And you think, oh, I don't know. Just leave yourself the way you are. Age gracefully. If you don't like it, well, stick a bag over your head or something like that. Or fellow, don't go out. Just stay in all the time. But they were talking today uh, about fillers destroying your looks. There's a woman who's oh, missed the thing, who was about to get married and she decided then to plump up her face to make her look more youthful. Sadly, it had the adverse effect. This is LBC... LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, so David and Vidit tie nice. Say, so basically, Steve, it won't snow on Christmas Day, but it might. That's called hedging your bets. Yes, I mean, as of this precise moment today... It will not snow on Christmas Day, but things might, might change tomorrow, so we don't know. Anyway, just going back to this lady. Her name is Mary Catchpole. She wanted to look perfect in her wedding pictures, so she decided, never having done it before, that she'd have a little bit of non-invasive cosmetic procedure to plump up her face to make her look fresher and more youthful. And that's where it all started going wrong, I'm afraid, because the dermal filler injected into both her cheeks caused a devastating chain of physical reactions. Not only was her wedding ruined, she's been left with serious nerve damage, blurred vision, insomnia, depression, and a £10,000 bill for private medical care. She believed dermal fillers to be safe and an affordable way to improve her looks. The substance involves, as you know, injecting a gel... Under the skin, which plumps out the grooves. And although dermal fillers were developed to treat deformities, cosmetic surgeons quickly realised they could also enhance people's looks. Now they're as popular as breast enhancements. Unfortunately, not for her. Not for her. They say it's growing by 8.4% a year. But there are all sorts of problems here. Blindness. Fate. I'm just telling you now, if you're thinking of going for some dermal fillers, thinking, oh, they do this every day, it'll be absolutely fine. These are some of the side effects. Herpes rheumatic disease, blue-tinged flesh, blindness, facial collapse, depression, insomnia, nerve damage, blurred vision. Do you want me to go on? If you're thinking of having it today, I'd cancel it. I I I just wouldn't let anybody stick a needle in your face. I really wouldn't. It's just the worst ever. I mean, there's one woman here, she said she had it done. She said she's too ashamed to leave, leave the house now. It's like having vajazzling. You should never, ever have anything like that at all. Very irresponsible of people to even offer it, as far as I'm concerned. Loads of hospital cases. Not very good at all. Uh, James Arthur looks like he's going through a slow sex change process with girly eyelashes and a very naff hairstyle and a mouth like a chicken. You're spot on about him and his music, says Sean. Well, I don't know anything about his music. I'm just looking at him thinking, I don't like you. Because he was arguing with Frankie Boyle, you know, a man with far more experience. And, you know, and in a year's time, James Arthur, you won't have heard of. It'll have disappeared completely because we'll have been two more shows down the line. Uh, I think the nurse, Steve, could well have suffered from depression and had other problems, and the hoax was the straw that broke the camel's back. We don't know, and we probably never will. It's tragic, and the sympathy is with the family. The hospital should have receptionists who are trained to field calls. Well, the answer was it was 5.30 in the morning, but I don't see that as an excuse. It's a private hospital. You know, and somebody says here... You know, you you know, we don't know whether or not the nurse was threatened with all kinds of things by the hospital. They could have threatened to take away her, her pin, which would stop her nursing. And then she could have been threatened with all sorts of things. I suppose because they, they, they would have seen it, wouldn't they, as bringing the hospital into disrepute? It's a private hospital. Will the royal family stay there again? I don't know. You know do you think the royal family would go, well, listen, we've had a breach of security? But unfortunately, because if they do... The press will round on them something chronic. You remember the last time the press rounded on the royal family? They were like a Rottweiler. They didn't let go at all until the Queen came back from her holiday in Balmoral to acknowledge the fact that Diana had been killed. Up until then, they were on holiday and they couldn't give a stuff about it. So I think they have to be very careful in the case of this. We don't know. I just don't believe, though, in my heart of hearts, that somebody takes their own life just, like, just because of something like this. Just because of something. Because it could have turned round the other way. I mean, if, if she hadn't... If she hadn't died, would it have been a different story? Or if Jacintha had gone to the press and gone, isn't that funny? I actually thought I was speaking to the Queen, blah, 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 and turned it. she'd have been popping up on this morning and all the rest of it. As it is, you don't know what the hospital said because she's not here anymore, so we're never going to find out, are we? God, James Arthur's fat, isn't he, as well? He does look, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be rude. He does look a bit like a butch lesbian. He does a little bit. He's, sort of, he's He's got that, you know, girly kind of face and he's trying to grow some facial hair. The suit that doesn't fit, but there again, we've had to look at Dermato Dreary, haven't we, all the time. But then he's seen out with uh, Caroline Flack. Dear, a little bit of a worry, isn't it? Uh, bosses from the radio station at the centre of the Royal Hoax scandal have claimed they were the victims and now there's a telly battle for the first interview, which is interesting. Uh, Strictly Stars arguing over the result. And uh, this is uh, Denise Van Outen, who was branded all teeth and no substance in a bitchy backstage bust up. <gasps> this is the BBC. They had bust ups at the BBC at uh, all. Another one here. I'm trying to work out. Oh, I'll tell you what I loved the other day. I love the film Elf. It's such a good little film. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the uh, star of it, but I thought there's just a lovely bit in it. He's, he's an elf, quite clearly, you know, proper elf. And. And at one point, he's, he's with somebody in the real world who says, Oh, we've got Father Christmas coming to you. And he goes, Father Christmas! He said, I know Father Christmas! It was just it was just a stupid line over this sort of mammoth. It. it was just such a good film, actually. Don't talk about food. Will Ferrell, yeah. Will Ferrell. Not the biggest fan of Will Ferrell, but the film's good. Sharon Hackney says, Stop talking about food for Christmas. About what? Turkey and. Uh, and sort of Christmas pudding and little roast potatoes and little sausages, bacon wrapped around them. And sweet corn. Oh, I love crispy roast potatoes. I might try some of those Aunt Bessie ones they've been advertising. So I've got the fasting blood test for my annual check-up this morning. making me feel hungry. Well, you can't take your medication or anything else, can you? Can't do anything at all until it's... So it'll probably be 8 o'clock, another three hours. Oh, those roast potatoes. Can't you just see them now? You just cut into them. A little bit of gravy over the top. That'd be quite nice. Oh could eat that now, actually. I don't think you should have set times for eating certain foods. Pardon me. I think you could just eat food at any time you like. So if you want to have roast potatoes for breakfast, I think you should be able to have roast potatoes for breakfast. If you want to eat, you know, custard for breakfast, have custard for breakfast. I haven't had custard for a little while, actually. I thought, I nearly bought some yesterday. I nearly bought some. I was shopping in Waitrose. I thought, should I get some custard? I thought, no, I don't buy custard. There's a benefits cheat here. Here he is. And his name is Stephen Susams. He's 59. He trousered... He's, uh, he's, uh, he comes from Dartmouth in Devon, but he pocketed benefits from Croydon Council and carer fees paid into a bank account in error by the local authority to his pal Keith Dickinson after he died in 2008. So he was also claiming benefit for a dead person. 17 grand. He's been remanded in custody, he's guilty of fraud, and uh, he'll probably go to prison. So That's good, isn't it? Actually, somebody was telling me the other day, and I'm, I'm trying to check out the story. I think it's true. In fact, I'm pretty certain it's true that uh, Sam and Billy for ears, you know, piggy eyes and a over on sister, their stepfather's gone to prison for burglary, apparently. Shame, isn't it? It's a shame. And, and I think Joey Essex, bit of a dipstick, Ooh. Uh, was in court and they waved at him, a convicted criminal. I find it unbelievable. I think that Joey Essex and the Faheer sisters should be dropped from the programme with immediate effect. I don't want anybody whose relations are in prison for heinous crimes, and I think burglary is a heinous crime—that's stealing from, that's stealing somebody else's property. I wasn't given a light sentence, I believe. You know, light sentence would be, you know, something like, um, you know, two weeks, three months. No, four years he's been given. Four years. Tommy, you only have to look at the Fehir sisters; It looks slightly dodgy, don't they? Uh Pretz bacon rolls. Yeah, did you try one the other day? They are nice, aren't they? I think they use some herb garlic butter. Although strangely enough, how much is what what is how much is a thousand five penny pieces? A thousand times five pence. How much money is that? In real money? I sat down for ages trying to work this out. A thousand five pence pieces. Is it a hundred pounds? Do we think it's a hundred we're not sure. Is a 1,000 times 5 pence is 5,000 pennies? Is that 500 pounds? Or 500 pounds, is it? Oh, right. Is that what we think it is? So 2,000 times 5p is what? Is that 200 pounds or... I don't know what it is. I sat down the other day with a calculator. We, was, we, were, we were trying to do all sorts of things. And I'll I'll tell you why after the news, why I'm trying to work out. So if, if somebody could just just get their little calculator out and tell me what 2,000 times 5 pence is... In real money. So, anyway, just going back to the bacon rolls. So, we, we, we had the bacon rolls, and I think what they do... And you've got to get them quick, because they go really fast. They only seem to produce about 20 a day in Pret. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's they obviously have these sort of soft soft roll-type things. And they coat the roll with this... I don't know what it is. This herb butter. But the bacon's quite good as well. 10,000 pence is 100 pounds. Is three? Three? A th- 100 pounds. So... So, in other words, 2,000 times 5 pence is 10,000, isn't it? So, two th- so, it's £100. Well, it's not very much, is it? £100. Now, the reason I mention it is because when I was in PrEP the other day, they were saying that they are donating to help um, homeless people at Christmas. For every baguette or sandwich they sell, they're donating 5p. And so, and I thought, and they said, we're going to solve the problem of homelessness. And I thought, so you sell 2,000 sandwiches... £100. You're not going to solve homelessness with £100, are you? That was the only reason I mentioned it. Because I thought, you know, because most of their sandwiches are vastly overpriced. £3.60 for a sandwich, you know, in a chain store, is just, you know, it's a bit too much. I thought they could have donated 10p, but no, 5p. So they're going to sell 2,000 sandwiches in one branch, say, today, if they sell that many. And that's going to bring in 100 quid for homeless people. Well, they'd be fighting over the one tent or something. How's that going to work out? It's not going to solve much in the homelessness stake, is it? I realise it's something, but it's not a lot. £100, god blimey. I give more than that every year to charity. And this is Pret. What if they pay tax? We need to check on these things, don't we? There's so many companies that aren't paying it, including one of these cheque cashing agencies, which I'll tell you about a little bit later on. Another one who's, uh, through, through totally legal means, managed to avoid paying corporation tax. It's a right old racket, isn't it? i tell you. Coming up to the news at 5 o'clock, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past five. Cheryl Cole has shelved plans for a girls-allowed Christmas dinner admitting I can't cook. So there you go, can't cook, can't sing, can't dance. It's not bad, is it, really? In fact, can't actually do anything at the moment. Uh, she was in uh, top form the other day, and they had a natter out at, at something. In fact, she's, uh, she's holding out, I think for doing one of those Come Dine With Me programmes. She said it'd be very funny with with Sarah Harding. Yes, most things with Sarah Harding are very funny, but only in a pitiful kind of way. She's not holding out much hope of a gift from her fellow dancer, Trey Holloway. She says, I haven't asked for anything from Trey, I actually don't want anything. Well, just as well, she hasn't got any money, love. So there's not going to be many gifts forthcoming from it. He's a penniless dancer. You know, dancers don't have any money. But never mind, I'm sure you can buy something for yourself, wrap it and then put a card on it going, with lots of love from Trey... And then you can go, perhaps it'll be a ring. Perhaps it'll be a ring. You know, and then and then when, when he puts it through through your nose and leads you about, then you can go, oh, look, I've got a ring for Christmas. Because you bet your bottom dollar the Geordie lass will be out there without her coat on in freezing cold But It could be sub-zero, and she'll be standing there in a sort of a basket and a negligee outside. But she'll be wearing a big diamond ring on her finger, which apparently Trey has borrowed the money for. Can't wait for that one. That's always quite an interesting thing, isn't it? Always quite interesting. Uh, on the subject of um, uh, James Arthur... Uh, do you think by making the surly James Arthur the winner of the X Factor, it shows Simon Cowell's plan to sign Jameen, who is runner-up, and that the show is generally worn out? Uh, well, they'll all release albums, won't they? They're all going on the tour. Jameen is on the tour. James Arthur, I mean, he is surly. He's, he just looks as though he's got a nasty side to him. We know Chris Maloney's got a nasty side. Jameen, I shouldn't imagine, has got a nasty bone in his entire body. But uh, James Arthur just looks a bit thuggish to me. Something about him... I just don't But It's like watching little minks uh, everywhere you see them. You know, they're so fake and so false. You know, there's just something about them you just don't like. Uh, do you think ITV has done something really clever by having the X Factor replacement show for Saturday night all ready to go? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not doing the business, is it? It's not doing the business when... Um, You know, when you've got an audience to try and get... And that's why there's all these... Will I am? I mean, you wouldn't... You know, you'd rather talk to the toothbrush than will I am. And he was saying the other day, oh, Cheryl's going back to the X Factor, and she's going to be... Oh, shut up, you silly man. You and your silly glasses and your funny little haircuts. I mean, it's just not... You don't need her on the X Factor. I mean, you really don't need her. Greetings from Dublin, says Christine. I love the show. I wonder if you've got... You haven't got snow over there yet, have you? I shouldn't uh, shouldn't imagine. Uh, Last week's show... Great sorrow for the family and colleagues of the lady who's taken her own life. But like you, whilst not excusing the presenters, you have to wonder what the hell the hospital were playing at. In the years I worked at the hotel, says Paul, we dealt with many VIPs, including royalty, and we had stringent checks to deal with callers. This particular hospital deals with the royal family on a regular basis. So it's not as if Kate was taken to a hospital where the staff weren't used to dealing with these things. The question has to be asked, if they can botch up with a phone call, would it be possible that somebody could get... Uh, a face-to-face with her. Well, that's like somebody getting into Buckingham Palace, wasn't it? Michael Fagin, who actually broke into Buckingham Palace, managed to wander around, get into the Queen's bedroom and sit on the bed chatting to her. And she's pushing the alarm button and the police did nothing. They thought it was a joke. They thought it was a, they thought it was a fault. So, of course, she's pushing every alarm button she can find. And it was only when a maid came into the room and went, good God, Mum. You know, you've got some strange man sitting on the bed that the alarm was raised. And then, you know, the police went, oh, my God, we've screwed up here big time. Same in the hospital. They have they have screwed up. They have screwed up big time. I mean, it's, you know, if if I mean, if there was nobody on the reception, do you think it was just easy to walk into her room? Do you think it could have been? I mean, God forbid. God forbid if somebody was attacked. God forbid. And, um... Uh, you mentioned on the show the other day about the lady who'd been uh, the original group and wrote a book. She's Pamela Desbares and was actually interviewed by Richard E. Grant on his Hotel Secret show. And I think she was also the character that the song Queen of 1964 by Neil Sedaka is based on. <laughs> uh, everybody met up uh, for a meal yesterday. So Jackie, Dan, and all the rest of the Facebook friends. Great time had by all. The next one's already being planned. Photos are on their way. That's what we like, uh, that's what we like to see. Thank you very much indeed. So I should look forward to seeing those a little bit later because there was a there was a get together, I believe, with a certain person in mind. Uh, 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. This is from uh uh have you been you you've been talking, goes Stephen, a lot about food that you've been eating. Oh god, dear, the English is dreadful here, isn't it? Let's fill in the missing words. Steve, you have been talking a lot about food that you have eaten over the weekend. I'll just fill in the English bits for you. Makes it so much easier. Are you not bothered about your weight? No, I don't put on an ounce. I'm very lucky, actually. I hardly put on anything at all. I'm one of those very, very lucky people, and I can write English. I work in the Boston area in biotech, and I've employed a few people who previously worked in a human collagen production facility. Oh, dear, sounds disgusting. Thank you very much indeed. They were were doing a thing the other day. We put some pictures up on the LBC website of an old operating theatre in London, which they apparently found in the roof of a hospital. Like, you know, it's a hospital. Oh, look, looky, 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 we found an operating theatre. And so it's up in the room. And it's, it was one of those operating theatres where, unfortunately, the floorboards would be stained with blood because they didn't have, you know, anything. They just used to put sawdust down on the floor and the blood would drip. So if they were doing an operation, like removing somebody's arm, it would be done without an anaesthetic it would be done with just a bottle of whiskey. They'd make them drink a bottle of whiskey when they were sort of, you know, practically comatose. Whoop, out would come the saw and off would come the arm and then they'd sort of bandage it up and if you were lucky, you lived and if you weren't lucky, you didn't live. It was as simple as that. Lots of pictures in the paper today of uh, Cheryl Cole coming outside of a club again. She spends most of her time in clubs. You'd think she'd be having singing lessons, wouldn't she? But she's obviously learnt you don't need to have singing lessons to uh, to get by with a with a... Sort of little career here, but there's a girl who saw sort of me ah like that. It's like Cheryl, isn't it? Cheryl, obviously a class load of people. I don't know which club she was in. Uh, she was at the at the Roses Club, and then a fan screamed at her. Not the kind of thing you need. But I mean, Cheryl, you must stop so, stop mixing with these common people. It really is awful. Don't don't go out to clubs where people scream at you and stuff like that. It's not nice, is it? Not nice at all. Oh dear, Talking of not nice. Uh, sexy Chloe Sims. Not sexy at all, I'm afraid. There's nothing sexy about Chloe Sims. You know, if if you call troweling cheap makeup on to, you know, an old haggard face sexy, well then she's sexy. In terms of bin liners though, it's an all over job, I'm afraid, guys. And so here she goes and she's sticking up for her towie mates after their live episode got panned. It was the worst thing ever. I mean, if you can't see that, Chloe, you're too stupid for words. You know, it was the worst thing ever. You were stupid in it, everybody was stupid in it. It's a waste of time. They should have axed the whole thing. Uh, Mike says, those DJs did a very poor Im- uh, impression of the Queen. I'm very surprised the nurses didn't suss it out. I don't know why they didn't suss it out. I don't, You know, it didn't sound like the Queen. Although a friend of mine did a very good impression of the Queen last night. And I said that, uh, you know, if you, were, if you were just listening to somebody on the telephone and you'd not heard them, do you remember they used to use a lady? She was a Queen lookalike. There's lots of Queen lookalikes. And I know a couple of them. Uh, but they looked like the Queen in a certain period of her life. And they used them, I think, on a Jeremy Beadle programme. And uh, Talk Your Prank Calls, Jeremy Beadle used to wind people up. Jeremy, peep- Jeremy Beadle used to wind people up on LBC. But it was never like that. He just made people believe that things were going on when they weren't going on. I think one of them was he did a whole programme from a tube, tube train. And it was just a sound effect. Just a sound effect. Uh, Anna says, I was in uh, Fred Claus, Father Christmas's Brother. Have you seen that film? No. No, I've seen most Christmas films, but uh, not that one. If we pair up James Arthur and Amy Charles and send them to Siberia, that make you happy, says Lisa. Well, I don't think Siberia is far enough, is it? Can we not send them further? Can we not send them further? I mean, he does look like a post-op transsexual. There's no doubt about it. He can't help it. It's just the way he looks, I'm afraid. And that's why I don't think the album would do very well. So, 5,000 pennies is 50 quid. So, right, whatever it is, it's just not very much money going to solve the homeless problem from Pret-a-Manché. 5p from every... And you think you're doing a bit for charity, do you? 5p for every, you know, sandwich or baguette that they sell, which are about £3.60. They're not exactly giving much, are they? And they go, and that's going to sort out, you know, the homeless problem. <clears throat> don't think so. Don't think so, I'm afraid. Uh, Aunt Bessie's mini Rosties. Ooh, yum, yum, yum. And Aunt Bessie's chunky croquettes says Eileen. Ooh, lovely. Uh, He was sent down. This is uh, Billy and Sam for ears' stepfather. He's gone to prison. He'll be currently enjoying a bit of a wake-up call there this morning because he was uh, trying to steal gold and silver bullion from Belgium. Well, quite clearly, the judge decided... I I noticed that the Sam for ears and Billy for ears, uh, otherwise Piggy Eyes and the other one, uh, stood up in court for their father, saying he was instrumental in helping them in the shop. I must have missed that bit because they seem to be rarely in it. Rarely in it. Rarely in the shop. And he was instrumental. Perhaps he was nicking stuff for it. Who knows? Who knows? Perhaps he had all the, the gold bullion or something. I don't know. It's all very bizarre, isn't it? But he's gone to prison for four years. So it's not a, not a light sentence, ladies and gentlemen. And then I looked at a picture of the paper the other day and they looked like gangster moles. They were dressed up, you know, with all their fake hair and everything else. They just looked a bit ridiculous, I'm afraid. Bit ridiculous. 84850, oh, steve dot uk. The 5p was originally the old shilling and there were 20 of them to a pound. For example, if you have a thousand of them, divide the number by 20, take over zero and divide by 250 and so on. Thank you, John, very much indeed. Yes, it was the uh, it was the old five pence. It was the old shilling. The old shilling. Uh, you can't buy decent roast potatoes for roasting in Singapore. But as well as Aunt Bessie's, try Waitrose Essential Frozen Roast Potatoes. I can't do anything that's got the word essential on it, I'm afraid. I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to that. It's like, you know, using the word basic. I don't use that one either, I'm afraid. It's, it, it has to be, I'm afraid, seen as, you know, it's got to be... If it says the word luxury on it or it comes in a gold box, I'm buying it. I'm not buying anything that says the word essential. I'm really not. It's, you know, I don't think it's necessary. I've worked hard all my life. The word essential... You know, to actually, you know, come up with, it's just a bit ridiculous, isn't it, or basics. They did it in one of the supermarkets, it could be Tesco, where they took away all the, uh, all the fancy packaging and they just sort of wrote basic beans on the tin. I mean, Why would you ever want to buy them? Why would you ever? I mean, a tin of beans is so cheap now. You can get them for 20p, I think. Heinz baked beans, 20 pence. They were doing those big fridge things of Heinz beans, a quid, for a big thing. I mean, for an elderly person, it lasted about three days. Sounds lovely. Quarter past five, 84850, oh, stevedelbc.co.uk. News headlines with Sam Pittis. A memorial service is expected to be held for just Steve Allen. Morning, 18. No, it's not. It's, well, I can't even read the clock from here. How does it say? 17 minutes past. Used to be a dreadful presenter on the radio some years ago. I can't remember what his name was. He couldn't read the clock. He'd go, it's uh, 17 minutes past two. Uh, past five. Uh, Eighteen minutes past six, <laughs> you give all these different time checks. you'd be listening, you think what is he looking at in the studio? And the truth of the matter is I've got one two, I've got three clocks around me, but they're all at wrong angles. there's nothing I mean, the one I can read there I can't quite read it as good as I thought I was. Jeanette Charles was the queen on the Beatles show. Steve. does Chris Maloney get locked out of the X factor finals? No, he was he, well, he turned up drunk. Bit of an embarrassment, really, I suppose, all round. But that's, you know, that's a man with very little talent. Well, in fact, no talent whatsoever, I'm afraid. Absolutely nothing at all. Couldn't sing for Toffee. I've never heard anybody sing, you know, well-known songs. But flat. I found that... I'm not surprised I kicked him off the cruise ships. I mean, there's a certain standard on cruise ships. And I suspect James Arthur's going to be it very shortly. He just looks... Doesn't look very good at all. Uh, the Aussie DJs are in all the papers today. Nick Ferrari and the team will be talking about that later on this morning and what i think they're going to be saying today i think uh, with nick this morning they're going to be uh, reviewing the broadcasting practices that's what the australian radio station uh, are saying nick will be asking was it the hospital that failed in its duty of care yes these prank calls have been done hundreds of times hundreds of times they go on all the time people do it for some reason they like them in australia for some reason they like them in Australia. I don't I don't know why because I've seen their Australian prank patrol where they spend a lot of money doing pranks and uh and they're just they're called wind-ups. They wind-up. This one as I as I said before because I you know knowing how these things operate they didn't seriously think that they were going to get that far. They thought that you know somebody would have put the phone down or laughed at them but they didn't. So they actually got they actually got through which was which was incredibly You know, (laughs) either stupid or naive. But nobody could have predicted the outcome. Nobody could have done. And they've been targeted by internet trolls. You know, people who go, you're a disgrace. It ended with this woman's death. They weren't to know that. How are you to know when you go out today and you write something to somebody that's offensive? How are you to know they're not going to go home and kill themselves because they're so depressed by what you've written? You're as guilty as the next person. Uh, Rita says, tomorrow afternoon, Channel 4, went the day well. Yes, you must get uh, hold of that. You You must watch it tomorrow. It's very clever. It's... I think it's another true story. Set in a lovely little village. You, you can Google it, went the day well. Find out where the village is. Go and visit the village, because it probably hasn't changed very much. And it's the story of a group of uh, Germans who came over pretending to be English. And they moved into this village pretending to be English soldiers. They they picked Germans who could speak very good English. And they took it over, but in fact they were Germans and they were determined to, uh, to massacre as many people as possible. It's very good. Story of a village coming together. Went the day well. Do uh, do watch it. Channel 4, 12.50. Set, set your, uh, your little ticker-ticker timer for it. Uh, Steve, I own the biggest dog, dog in the UK. He can eat six bags of Aunt Bessie's Yorkshire puddings filled with mince beef, rice and plum tomatoes in one sitting. Sounds delicious. I <laughs> quite fancy that idea. Christine in Bristol said, Steve, switchboard and reception, two different things. I know I'm a telephonist. Oh, God, so now we've got switchboard, receptionist and telephonist. How many more other people? We used to have a, we used to have people there when we used to have a, a reception. We have a reception here at LBC with Harry and the and the team, uh, all down there in Gary. And if somebody rings in, they answer the phone. So does that make them a receptionist or a telephonist or front of house? What does that make them? <laughs> apart from apart from very clever, I suppose, at being answered to I've got no idea how these things work at all. Not a clue. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Wendy reckons at the hospital, which has treated royalty since time began. I can imagine the poor girl was ragged mercilessly, be it all in fun by her colleagues, and she couldn't take it any more. I mean, do you think so? Do you think she was, you know, picked on by people around there? It'll take somebody from the hospital to be brave to come forward because they won't have a job at the end of it. I should imagine. And they say here it's very easy to see how she was hoaxed by somebody pretending to be the Queen. Well, that's what we're saying. We're not, we're not saying that. What we're saying is the hospital should be training these people. They've been looking after royalty for ages. You know, and so if you've got somebody... It's no good saying, you know, she was Indian therefore English was not her first language. She'd been there for four years. did not just wandered in or something. She'd been there for four years. You'd think that the hospital would have trained all the people saying, listen, we have, you know, Kate coming in, William's wife, and there will be a lot of security, a lot of press outside, and there might be people trying to get through. This is the procedure if if somebody phones up for her. I mean, how, how easy is that to do? It doesn't take but five minutes. But apparently, nothing at all. So it makes no difference whether she knew it was the Queen or whether she didn't know it was the Queen. It's the fact that you know, that was the second nurse, wasn't it? It was the second nurse. So she got put through to the second nurse, who then said, oh, she's doing very well and all the rest of it. And you think... So you don't know what the Queen sounds like. But the Queen wouldn't... It wouldn't be like that. There would be things in, in place. Well, I'm assuming there'd be things in place. Quite clearly not at that hospital. Uh, 84850, Jeff says, I would imagine that witnesses at the time of the abuse would be the first stage in which the police can arrest and question celebrities. Medical records are probably not around now, so any victim reporting abuse will need to have a witness in order for the police to probe. Yes, This, this was the story that we were going uh, on about earlier on, where there are certain people who've been named in in... Uh, in relation to sexual abuse, which goes back years and years, and some people haven't been named. We all know the people who haven't been named. And you ask yourself the question, why are they not named, and yet somebody else like Max Clifford has been named? We didn't quite understand how that would happen. And somebody said, well, maybe if they thought the other person was very old and they weren't capable of handling it, and you think, well, they've, they've charged Stuart Hall. So it's... And they've said there's another six... Another six people, 25 apparently, this started yesterday, which has been leaked from the police. It's come from nowhere else but the police. The the police would be the only ones who knew about this kind of thing. So they would be the ones saying, well, you know, we're, we're thinking of questioning six more people. And my question is, how on earth do you prove something that goes back, in some cases, 50 years? 40 years. How do you know? How do you know? So, just, so somebody's able to say something, completely ruin somebody else's career, because unfortunately there'll be certain members of the public, you know, the ones with not maybe the uh, the, the brain cell between the entire family, it'll go, oh, well, that's it, if the police would you guilty, guilty straight away. We've seen it, haven't we, all over the papers. It's like trial by media. Trial by media. Oh, well, if, if they've been questioned by the police, they must be guilty. Whereas, in fact, you know, the people who sort of write in about it don't know diddly squat. They don't know do anything. They need to look at their own house first before they sort of worry about anything else. Eight four eight five zero stevedlbc dot uh, Another one here. Uh, oh, there's a story about Susan Boyle. Did I pick up on Susan Boyle? There's a picture of her in in one of the uh, one of the papers today for the of Me, I can't remember what it was uh, what it was about. Or perhaps it was a colour supplement. Either way, it'll probably pop up a little bit later on in our free podcast for today. Uh, doctor's alarm over the diabetes epidemic. There is a. You know, diabetics are apparently a 25% increased chance of having a heart attack. Uh, also, 40% higher risk of death. There's a consultant, dia- diabetologist, I've never even heard of that word before, who led the National Diabetes Audit, and he said re- the risks were not inevitable. There's a lot of positive messages, a lot can be done to prevent them, but it requires partnerships between people with the condition and their health services, because there are more people now. There are, you know... They say um, the audit, which analysed the care of nearly 2 million people with diabetes in 2010-2011, revealed that sufferers are 65% more likely to have some sort of heart failure than the general population and 144% more likely to need dialysis or kidney transplants. God, a cheering thought for a Monday, isn't there? What do my boss keep saying to me? How are you feeling today? I go, I'm all right. So far. <laughs> so far, I'm not, not totally convinced. Uh, lots of pictures of snow. It's ski fun day. Skiers taking to the slopes of Cumbria in Derbyshire. Very, very pretty. But more snow to come, but I I don't think a lot. Certainly not down here in London. It's too warm. And so the prediction is not my prediction, I've I've pinched it, I'm afraid. Pinched it from Chris Lowry, who knows about these things. A little bit of snow this week, but nothing to worry about, and he thinks unlikely as of the present time as of the present time, um, there won't be any snow at Christmas. After Christmas, you're going to be wading through the stuff. Because they, they were saying, I think a little while ago, they said, I think, I think it's February, they've said that we're going to be five foot deep. Five foot deep. Uh, Sue says, what happens if the autopsy shows the nurse died from natural causes? Well, we don't know, do we? We don't know the result of that yet. I'm mean, presuming there will be one. And uh, presumably, if they said somebody took their own life, they'd have a pretty good, pretty good idea. Pretty good idea, uh, John says. Regarding the prank call, why would the Queen call Kate her granddaughter? Yeah, but you're, but you're assuming that people the other end—they're—they're—they're they're, they're highly stressed nurses. They're trying to get around things. Yes, so, yes, God is the Queen. Yes, yes, she's fine. No, she's doing fine today. Thank you very much. indeed. put the phone down. They don't know. They don't know. Uh, Mark says, "How long before we get conspiracy theories?" Yeah, <laughs> that'll be the next thing, won't it? Guess what. Uh, apparently, uh, the power is out around the poyle Datchet area. Traffic lights are out, so it could be traffic there on the M25 and at Junction 13. We shall, uh, we shall get Andy McCall to check on that one upstairs. And, uh, it was Jack demanio who couldn't get the time right, says D. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jack Demanuel. I just know that uh, it, was, it was something he couldn't do. He couldn't do the time. It was really awful, I'm afraid. 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. So in the uh, Strictly, we have uh, kicked out Nicky Byrne, which is a shame, did its best. But uh, Kimberly and Pasha got, got good scores from Craig, Darcy, Len and Bruno Tens. All Tens, all the way through. Isn't that fantastic? Absolutely wonderful. Uh, other stories of the papers. Anger at the MP's call to make cannabis legal. I don't want to be driving with anybody where cannabis is doing the rounds. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, apparently Nadine Doris. Good God, is she still going around? I can't believe she's still around. She should be doing something sensible. But they were having a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a ding-dong the other day on Andrew... Andrew Neil's programme, where um, he, <laughs> he used the phrase last year, madder than a box of Nadine Doris, and she quite clearly is. She quite clearly is. And she hit back by branding him an overweight orange toupee wearing has-been. So hopes weren't high when they renewed their acquaintance on Sunday politics and lived down to expectations. After he quizzed her about what fee she would put down on the House of Commons members' register for her recent stint, she then retorted... Uh, you, interview, you interview everyday male MPs who earn outside earnings. Is it something you only ask women, or do you ask men as well? Neil's response, maybe you'll have to watch our programming more often instead of being in the jungle, which is quite you know, it's quite good, really. And the trouble is, all she is, she's just a bit gobby. She's just a bit loudmouthed, but there's no substance to her. That's why she was the first one to be kicked out of the jungle, because the British public don't like her. It must be awful to be hated en masse. You know, nobody likes you at all. Nobody respects you. Nobody thinks you're intelligent or, or anything like that. They just think you're a bit of a waste of space. Poor old Nadine. It all backfired horribly, didn't it? Didn't go as well as you were going to be expecting. You think people will buy your, your book? No, I didn't think so either. It's uh, Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. Sir Patrick has died at the age of 89. He probably got more people. Longest running programme on the telly, I think, The Sky at Night. Longest running programme. So we'll have a bit of that music, probably a little bit later on with Nick Fry, but they're thinking about, let's get that music out now, because it kind of sums him up. Time now, (laughs) 5.30. I can't remember what the Frankie Boyle comment was about James Arthur. Was it a sheep's head or something, with teeth in it or something? I can't remember what the what he described him as, and James Arthur reacted very badly. He doesn't look... He doesn't come over as very pleasant James Arthur to me. I don't care whether he's won the X Factor. I mean, I really don't care. It's not changing my life. I didn't vote for him. But I can't remember what the quote was. It was very funny. And uh, he obviously took it very badly. He obviously doesn't like criticism. I think the other boy's going to do well. I think Jermaine's going to do very well. He's got a great voice. Although, how many times do you want to hear somebody singing falsetto? I'm not too sure. It's very, in- It's a very interesting voice, but how many songs... A cross between a tramp and a duckling. Oh, it's a shame, really, isn't it? The ugly duckling, I think he was referring to. One of your listeners was the victim of one of the funniest prank calls on LBC ever. No less a personage than Sheila Finesilver from Cockfosters, who was on the receiving end, if memory serves, from one Ian Lee. Do you remember it? I I don't, actually. I, can't, I can remember most things. I can't remember loads of things like that. So good morning to her and uh, Raimondo, who attended yesterday and will be listening. People never miss this programme. They never miss this programme. That's what I love about it. I love about it. We always know that on any day... If somebody said something... Let me say... Steve just said that. Steve just mentioned that. Somebody else will write in and tell me the other thing that he said about King Arthur. But uh, James has vowed not to be ruled by Simon Cowell. End of career, ladies and gentlemen. End of career. Because Simon Cowell, they're signed to Psycho. And you will do what you're told to do, James. You know, you might think you can do it, but do you remember Steve Brookstein? We talked to Steve Brookstein, and he, he wasn't really interested. He didn't, he didn't want to go down the psycho route. And so he said, no, I want to do this, and they said no. So they parted company, which served him very well, because he can carry on actually doing, you know, proper, proper singing out there. Whereas uh, James, who, you know, if you're not blessed with looks, God knows he's not blessed with looks, you know, wants to actually have any sort of career, because he hasn't got a career up until now, then you have to toe the party line, and you have to do the songs that they tell you. You know, you do the songs that they tell. They say, you sing... It's like Susan Boyle. You know, you sing these songs, love. I'm a broomstick, I'm a... No, you sing the songs we tell you, love. All right? Quite mad, quite mad. Get her in the studio, get her to record as much stuff as possible before she starts dancing up and down with a broom as she did at the airport. It was a mop, wasn't it? She was dancing with a mop at the airport. God, hope for all of us, I'm supposing. Uh, Wendy says, what about the weather in Harrogate? Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful over this weekend. I can't begin to tell you. Rain, snow, thunder, lightning... Actually, it was a little bit like watching Sleeping Beauty up at Saddler's Wells. It's so well done. I mean, it is so well done. Lisa says, why do we need to know every time a royal goes into hospital? Surely, surely only joyous or serious cases would be enough. Well, because we're fascinated. So if Prince Philip goes into hospital, uh, people want to know about his health. If the Queen goes in, it would be about her health, wouldn't it? Uh, and I suppose... You know, when it's somebody like Kate, if it's a baby, people want to know about it. But I said the other day, okay, we know she's having a baby. We know she's still being sick because she's she's had started relapsing. And it's not just a case of morning sickness, as Prince William said. It's morning, afternoon, lunchtime, evening, nighttime, early. It's all the time. I'm afraid. So that that's why we're interested in her. We're we're concerned, and it's a it's a royal baby, and we don't care what it is, do we? We don't even care, probably, if it's got two heads. We just, we just, you know, we just like the idea. So that's why we know about the royal family. We feel we own a bit of them. So there it is. Uh, 84850, oh, Uh So that's why we do know. Um, another one here. Did you go up to... No, I didn't go up Primrose Hill the other day and see the long building. I should have done. I should have done. Uh, Natalie says, I can't find the uh, the film. Went the day well. It's not on the TV guide. Let's see who sent it. Um, it's supposed to be uh, Harry Fowler saving the day. Is that the film with Harry Fowler? I can't remember. It is, actually. Is he playing a boy in it? I think he's actually... I think he's a, he's a boy. I'm pretty certain. But it's it's a very good film. Very, very good. Very good film. So if it's not on there, it means that Rita and Clapham tells lies. Well, that's very embarrassing, isn't it? Well, for Clapham and for her, I suppose. Uh, I think it's Harry Fowler. I think it's Harry Fowler in there. Uh, another one here, which just come in, uh, on the subject of, uh, um, what's this one here? Oh, somebody else saying, why do we have to know every time a royal member goes to hospital? Well, because we do, that's what makes the news, I'm afraid. That's what makes the news. Uh, I didn't see the Frank Bruno interview. Sad to see such a great figure suffering in such a way. Uh, welcome back, primetime ITV, now the X Factor rubbish has finished. Oh, don't worry, the next one, the, ne- <laughs> the next one will be up very, very shortly. The next one, uh, 84850, Uh, Brian says, the reason why the nurse didn't pick up on the stupid Queen accents was English was not her first language. This just goes back to what we were saying before. They should have something in place that means that they don't have to do things like that. You know, the the Queen should get through, not to a nurse on the ward, but to a surgeon. To the surgeon who's treating her. That's who the Queen would talk... Why Why would the Queen want to bother herself with a nurse? She's a queen, for goodness sake. She'd be talking to the surgeon. They would have issued a statement at the end of each day, I'm assuming, to Buckingham Palace saying this is this is where she is today. That's how it normally works. So, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's any other reason. We can't read anything else into it. It was just tragic. It was just tragic. Uh, she only put the call through. It was the colleague who gave out all the details of how Kate was. Uh, so what if this lady had got sacked? At least she'd still be here to see her kids graduate or... Or marry. She must have had other issues, says June. Well, I think the, you have to... You know, I don't know. If you're really very depressed... All the pictures in the paper, she doesn't look the happiest person. But I don't know. I didn't know her. I don't know what people... Perhaps people took the mickey out of her down there. As only nurses can do. I can't see any other reason why she would want to take her own life. It doesn't... It. it you know, somebody else has said that there must be underlying problems... There must be underlying problems. There must be, must be something. You just don't go from one minute to being a, a nurse who, you know, even with the stress they're under, can still sit down and have a bit of a laugh. You know, there, there must be something else to it, mustn't there? And we'll, we'll never know. We will probably never know. Will they bank prank, uh, ban prank phone calls? Shouldn't think so. Shouldn't think so. In you know, all the hundreds that have been done over the years, they're never going to... Uh, they're never going to... Uh, ban something. And also, I, mean, I don't know how the jurisdiction works in other countries. That's what I'd be uh, I'd be interested in finding out, whether or not they, they operate under the same rules that we operate under. Uh, David says, I've just planned my Christmas dinner. A whole fillet of beef, about five pounds worth, smothered in butter and gently roasted, medium rare, served with a Madeira reduction. Is that a ju- pan-seared brussels sprouts, Oh, lovely crispy butter roasted potatoes and petit pois à la française. What sounds nice. The peas bit might might fox me. I'm not very good with the peas bit. <laughs> peas and <laughs> peas and sweet corn. And I tell you what I I would add to that cauliflower cheese. I love cauliflower cheese. I absolutely adore it. It's really bad for me. I can't work out which bit's bad for me, but it is. And and so I haven't had cauliflower cheese because every time I have it I feel like I'm going into a relapse. I feel like I'm about to go under, which is one of those strange things. But I love the idea of a whole fillet of beef, smothered in butter and gently roasted, medium-rare. You see, medium-rare I couldn't have. I'd have to have it... I'd have to have it well done, I'm afraid. I do, I do get my meat cremated. What did I, what did I have for you? I'm trying to think what I had to eat on... Oh, I'll tell you what I had at Joe Allen's. I <laughs> had Christmas dinner. I knew there was something. They did turkey, and you've got a load of turkey, and it came with some vegetables, uh, a little sausage with some bacon wrapped round it, making my mouth water, and, uh, and two roast potatoes, which weren't brilliant. The roast potatoes weren't, weren't brilliant, but it was, it was lovely. The turkey was delicious. <laughs> I didn't have a starter, and I didn't have any bread, which I thought was good. Bread's my downfall, I'm afraid. We got this new bread shop in Twickenham where they actually, they actually bake on the premises. You know, proper bread, not, not mass-produced bread that you buy in Iceland or Waitrose or anything else. They're actually baking it there, or in Martin Spencer's case, reheating. No, they make it. Proper bread. It's not cheap. About three quid a loaf, but it's, it's absolutely delicious. That's what my neighbour Lynn said. She said it was absolutely delicious, so I, I might have to, get, today, go and get one of these. Um, uh, Ian says, I saw the Nadine interview whilst having my shredded wheat. She's quite attractive. For some reason, I always crave shredded wheat when I watch Andrew Neil. I know it's that little shredded wheat. He's a bit, he's a bit Arthur Scargill, isn't he? When you should look at Arthur Scargill, it looked like he did have a shredded wheat stuck on his head. And I think the same for Andrew Neil. But as Andrew Neil is a former LBC presenter, uh, I'm a big fan because I used to do the show that used to follow him. So uh, I like Andrew Neil a lot. I like him a lot. Uh, I felt very sorry for Rio Ferdinand. He was on the pitch yesterday and some demented idiot in the crowd was throwing coins. One of them hit him in the eye. And there's pictures in the papers today uh, of blood running down his, uh, his face. Um, he slumped to his knees Clutching his left eye, as other coins rained down around him, and then a city fan raced onto the pitch to confront him. Who are these stupid people? In my imagination, are football fans just a little bit thicker than the rest of us. You know, the idiot who who ran on, you know, and he was he was protected, you know, by uh, by somebody. But to throw coins, what sort of mentality is that? It's just absolutely appalling. Uh, Manchester City have apologised to Ferdinand and said they would try to help police identify the person responsible. Well, can, when we find them, can we uh, we'll name and shame on the programme? Can we bang them up for Christmas and most of next year? I've never heard anything so stupid. Actually, of course, I mean the one thing they will have on the coins is they'll have. Um, if the person's got a criminal record, they better take fingerprints off. Fingerprints off. I didn't realise some many many years ago somebody sent something through the post to LBC. Actually and uh, they thought they were being very clever, they put sellotape to seal the envelope. And so when this thing came in, I, w- I won't tell you what it is, because the the person got arrested for it and charged. And uh, it, was, it turned out the reason that they got them is because when you hold sellotape, you put your fingerprints on it. There was no way that they could have put the sellotape on without their fingerprints. So as they'd ripped it off, their fingerprint was on both ends. They got they got thumb and forefinger, both ends. So the police went round because they had a record. It was fantastic. And they were arrested very, very quickly. And charged. And they're in prison. That's all I tell you. Um, other stories in the papers today. Uh, families are forking out more for... Isn't it funny? One minute we're told we're not spending enough money for Christmas... The next minute, they say, oh, we're now overspending for Christmas. I mean, I've been out, I think I've done all the Christmas shopping. My godson doesn't want a present this year. He'd rather have the money. The money is more useful, too. And I could see this happening more and more in families. At, at one time, people used to give gift vouchers, but I thought gift vouchers were a bit naff. I just thought, you know, you stand there and somebody's giving you a £20 gift voucher. That was a bit, was a bit tedious. And so he wants money. So what I'll do is I'll work out what I've spent on, on everybody else and then he gets the equivalent in cash. and Then he can spend it. Or perhaps he, he might want to put it towards, you know, I think he wants one of these um, iMac computer things. Well, you know, which are not cheap. And uh, probably his dad said, well, listen, if you save up a percentage to it, then I'll, I'll add the rest of it. and So maybe next year you can have one. If that's how it works, I don't know. So we'll wait and see. So he's been very brazen and asked for money this year, so I've written back, yeah, OK, you can have money. It's OK. Money, money's no, no problem for me whatsoever. Uh, Sign of the Times says, Mark in High Wycombe, our company over the years has run a Christmas trip for disadvantaged kids, all good fun and staffed by company volunteers. However, I note this year they're struggling to get the staff to volunteer. I suspect it's because people now think twice about being close to children, just in case... Any accusation or action takes place, and you get accused of something now or at a later date. Sadly, it's probably a byproduct of the Savile Affair. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. I don't think you're wrong there. I don't know. If you have anything to do with kids now, you're supposed to be... Is it C... I can't remember what the thing is. Is it CRB check? Because I know a lot of magicians have to have the CRB check, and uh, and they've got to, you know, pass it. And then I'm supposing that if you're going to do something where there are kids there then you're going to have to have a cheque for it. I know that I was talking to somebody who used to collect children for school. You know, one mum will pick up three or four kids in the road. Well, apparently you can't do that now because they're not your children. And it's all become a little bit tacky, really, because of something that might or might not be said later on. You don't know, do you? So most people are not actually prepared to risk it because they think, well, if this all comes back at a later date, who knows? Went the Day Well is on Tuesday, Channel 4 at 1250 there you go. It's, uh, it's, it's well worth watching. Well worth watching. It's it's a very good... For, old black and white. A secretary would have made the call, not the Queen, and certainly not at that time of the morning, says Marion Croydon, unless the, unless the Queen was having one of her bridge sessions late at night, sitting there, you know, perhaps with a box of Rivita or something, going, I think I'll phone. But <laughs> you're right, I said at the beginning of the programme, the Queen would never make those phone calls. Somebody would phone, and they would phone the surgeon. They would phone a senior... They wouldn't just phone on the off chance, but there again... That's why the hospital are at fault. They should have said, listen, the Queen is never going to just pick up the phone and call like she's going to pop round on a bicycle or something. It's not going to happen. Somebody will phone up during daytime hours and they will say, you know, the Duchess had a, a restful night, she's still being ill, and that'll be it. You never get the Queen picking up the telephone. But nobody told the nurses that. They perhaps thought that's how it worked. If she has been there for four years, you would have thought, you know, somebody would have realised it would have come from a secretary and they wouldn't be doing it through the switchboard. They would have all the private numbers of all the surgeons. That's how it would work. That's how it would work, I'm afraid. I like the sound of the last listener's Christmas menu. Glad to hear somebody isn't having turkey. Can't stand it, Steve. Never understand why it's supposed to be one of the most special days of the year. People choose to eat the worst meat going. Lamb roast, roast beef, even chicken. Anything but to, uh, but, uh, but turkey, to coin a Steve Allen-ism, it's dreadful. See, it's funny, isn't it? Oh, I like turkey. I had it the other day, but the people I was dining with said, are you having turkey? I said, you know, strange enough, I quite like turkey. It's odd, isn't it? We only have it once a year. I don't have it any other time. I know you're supposed to have goose or duck or something like that, but, I mean, that's a bit fatty for me. Oh, we've got to take a break. News headlines with Sam Pittis. A memorial service is expected to be held... LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 10 to 6. Nick Ferrari with you after the news at 7 this morning. And uh, coming up as the Australian radio station embroiled in the Royal Baby Hoax scandal has said it's reviewing its broadcasting practices. Nick will be asking, was it the hospital? That failed in its duty of care. Plus, as Europe's leaders gather to commemorate the European Union receiving the Nobel Peace Prize, Nick will be asking: Has the EU been a force for peace? Full review of the day's newspapers. Andrew, neither the London Evening Standard comment editor, former speechwriter at Number Ten, will be live in the studio, going through the papers. But it will be the, uh, the the royal hoax. And has the hospital failed? Should they have trained the staff better? And the answer is yes. The trouble is, doctors and nurses aren't very good at asking for help. You know, they're they're far too busy to do things. They just don't have enough time. So, you know, for somebody to say, right, we've got a member of the royal family coming in, although this has been the choice of the royal family for many years, uh, this is what the procedure is. They shouldn't have to explain to anybody because it shouldn't affect the staff in any way, shape or form. It should only really affect the senior surgeons and the senior registrar at the hospital who would deal with, the, with Buckingham Palace. If there was something urgent, then they would speak to the Queen. But in this case, they're speaking to William. They're not going to be discussing Kate's predicaments with Her Majesty. Much as I'm sure the Queen is interested, she'll leave it up to William to tell her what's going on. Marion from Broxbourne says, Please, 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 can you thank the lovely Diana and Justin for organising the wonderful time we had at the Steve Allen Appreciation Society's Christmas get-together? An amazing time was had by all lovely friends, so uh, thank you to you all, says Marion. Waiting to see the pictures. Can't wait to see the pictures from this one. Sounds very good. Uh, Joe says, agree with you about the lovely Nadine Dorries. Glad Andrew Neal gave her some of her own medicine. I don't care about Andrew's hair. It's his quick wit and political brain I like. I love the daily politics. I don't think her book will sell this Christmas by anybody with a brain anyway. No, I mean, she's, she's trying to capitalise and think she's got some sort of personality. The trouble is being... What she thinks outspoken is not a personality. She was dull as ditch water in the jungle. She she served no useful purpose whatsoever. She's uh, quite clearly a snob. She quite clearly doesn't. The funny thing, but she's an inverted snob. She was uh, she very much sort of one of these sort of people who sort of working class but likes to really pretend she's middle class. You know, she's uh, she has her hair dyed. She likes to make the best of herself and all. You bet she's got a bathroom full of brand name stuff. Eight four eight five zero. steve LBC dot co dot One from uh, Mark. He says, "When will this media storm end?" It's on every TV and radio channel in Australia. Yes, um, I don't. Uh, I, I don't see it ending any time soon. can't think of any reason why it would end any time soon. They're waiting now. The next thing will be for the. Uh, the two radio presenters to come out and give their version of it. And their version is, we went in, we had a normal day, we decided to make this phone call. The cost must have been astronomical. And so they made this long-distance phone call, and it all went very well, and they got the desired results. They played it back on their programme, and then, blow me down, the woman concerned takes her own life. And that's when it took the turn for the worst. Paul? says, went the day well, Ealing film production tells the story of a quintessentially English village infiltrated by German paratroopers prior to an invasion. Main star was Leslie Banks, but Thora Heard was an army girl, and yes, Harry Fowler was young George. And it's one of my favourite places, the location, it's Turville in Buckinghamshire. It was on More 4 a few weeks ago, and turns up on another of their stations every eight weeks or so. You may recall when it was screened, I said I thought you were friendly with the film booker at the station, as every time you mentioned a film, up it comes. So in that case, can you please mention The Bishop's Wife, one of our favourites, which has got the Mitchell Boys' Choir. It's a lovely film. David Niven, Cary Grant as an angel and Loretta Young. And uh, he says, oh, once that's on and a bit of Ray Conniff, we know Christmas is here. Yes, you must you must watch Went the Day Well. In fact, if you, if I keep meaning to drive out to Turville in Buckinghamshire. I keep meaning to drive out there because I'm sure it hasn't changed. It's a bit like going down to... um, Where did John Mills live? Denham. That little village. They've used that for films before. Loads and loads of films. Where were Kate's security men, says Mary? Well, it had nothing to do with them. They were probably sitting outside the room. It had to do with the phone call, isn't it? Uh, Re-hoaxes. There was a programme on television about the Hotel Claridge's. The switchboard man says they get prank calls claiming to be celebrities. Yes, you get lots of people saying, oh, if they know a celebrity's staying there, oh, you know, can you put me through, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so, and And they go, yeah, right. That should have been, I'm afraid, exactly the same at the hospital. It should have been the same, but it it wasn't. It wasn't, I'm afraid. Uh, Everybody else saying, yes, it wouldn't have been. The Queen would never have made that call. Yes, but, I mean, how would people know that? They wouldn't know, would they, unless somebody told them at the hospital. They might have gone, oh, it's royal family. Perhaps they don't just moved on to the royal family ward. I don't know. None of us know these things. Anyway, just going back briefly about the extra money you're spending at Christmas. Uh, they now say that your trolley is going to cost you 14% more this year because everything's going up in price. Have you noticed? Everything's creeping up. They do it slowly at Christmas. And, and, and we, we don't know about it. We just get to the end of it. Now, that's why I stopped shopping in Marks and Spencer's because my trolley was costing an absolute fortune. Even my little shopping basket was costing a small, you know, a small fortune. So I've now started shopping in Waitrose, where I seem to get a lot more for my money. A lot more bang for your bucks, as they say. Jason says, regarding The Prank Call's history, Beatles about in the 80s went for many years, pulling in millions of viewers, didn't do anybody any harm, and was worse than this. Oh, do you remember the guy? I mean, we'll all remember that poor man who was on a little boat, and they sent him across, and they substituted his car for an identical one, and there was a crane driver... And the crane driver was employed by the Beadle programme. As this man's coming back in the boat, he sees the crane reversing into his car and he's saying, no, 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 no. And the crane driver, of course, you know, being in on the prank, doesn't say, he just reverses and knocks the car into the water. and says, no, goes this man. And the crane driver gets off and the bloke goes, what have you done? He goes, well, you shouldn't have parked there, mate, should you? And he became quite obnoxious about it. This man was going apoplectic. If ever there was sort of a guaranteed case for somebody to have a heart attack, that was it. It's because he thought it was his car, but it wasn't. And we laughed at it because it was a funny one. Mind you, they had some very odd ones with Jeremy Beadle. There was the one where there was this enormous explosion and a bright light, and they dug a hole in this woman's garden, and an alien came out, and she thought the aliens had landed. Just looked like somebody in a silver suit, I'm afraid. (laughs) didn't look like an alien at all. But always remember the bloke with the car. Always remember. Always remember it. It was because it was just dreadful... Uh, 84850 dot so you're quite right Beatles about went on for ages now. and some of them were heart attack inducing they really they really were but uh, nobody ever died nobody ever died and that's that's why this one is so unusual because who'd have thought it? You, you, you couldn't uh, Noreen says you're sounding good this morning the tree goes up today I very much hope the Dutch is okay Prince William cancelling last night yes tree up today lot of, this is the week you're going to go out and buy your Christmas trees This is the week you're going to buy your Christmas trees because you're going to want to put the tree up because we're now on to the, what are we on to? The 10th today. The 10th. It'll be, you watch. It'll whiz through. It'll whiz through. Before you know where you are, we'll all be singing Deck the Halls With and you'll go, Joe, we still haven't bought the tree. So get them while they are. There's not a shortage. Not a shortage. Paul Cooper was selling a lot in Twickenham the other day of uh, those holly wreaths. Somebody sits down and makes these holly wreaths, and they're really quite pretty. They're not big enough for me, so perhaps I'll have to say to him next year, can you make a bigger holly wreath? They're about six quid each or something, and it's really nice. And uh, at Sandys, they're all decked up for the holiday season. Stuart's still working his little socks off down there. And uh, I think their main floral display has gone up to Brinsworth House, but they've still got lots of other plants outside there, which is very nice indeed. Uh, Steve, it's a common rule that information should not be passed over the phone. We had to have a written confirmation from the other party, i.e. hospital so- social workers. It's very, very sad how it's turned out. There's no denying it's very, very sad. Nobody, but nobody, could ever have foreseen what was going to happen at the end of this. We don't know what happened in the hospital with the other nurses pointing and laughing. Going, Ooh, you put the call through. That was it. Do you know, somebody I was talking about the other day, strangely enough, was pitched up in the papers today, Terry Waite, who's, uh, who's gone back to Beirut after all these years to uh, meet up with some of the people that he met over there first time round. It's LBC 97.3, Steve Allen's early breakfast. And uh, we'll take some more of your text and emails, the other side of the news which is coming up. So the prediction is no snow, no snow on Christmas Day. That's, of, that's today. We, we can predict that far and Tomorrow it might change, but at the moment it's, uh, it's no snow. A little bit of snow later this week, getting a bit cold but nothing to worry about. So it effectively means that the Met Office were right last time when they, uh, when they said February is going to be particularly bad. They said, what did they say? Five foot in February. I'm not sure I can wait that long. Five foot of snow. Great. Let's hope they're wrong, shall we? Let's hope they're wrong, especially if you've got to travel over Christmas. Short break, more of your texts and emails coming up after the news at six with Sam Pittis. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. Morning, five past six. And, uh, th- Steve, thank you for announcing the East Finchley Community Trust Christmas Festival, which was last Saturday. It was a roaring success. Good, I hope so, I like that. Brian in Hampton Hill wants to have Easter eggs in the shops. No, but they're roughly the same because they've got those lint chocolate teddies. What's a teddy to do with Christmas? They've got little reindeer and stuff. I quite like things like that. But I've, I must check with my brother when his uh, sweeties have arrived. I ordered from Lakeland. Uh, didn't, a mem- didn't a member of the public die during a prank on the Noel Edmund show many years ago, says Lou? Yes. Yes. That was the uh, that was Mike Smith, wasn't it? I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head, but you're right, somebody died during that. Phil says, I thought James Whale was making a holly wreath. Well, he says so. He's never managed to make one yet. Every year, he says to me, you know, since I was a lad, James Whale has said to me, don't worry, I'll make your holly wreath, Steve. I'll make it. And he never managed to get round to it at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Jackie says... Thank you to all the people who attended your celebration lunch yesterday. They have a celebration lunch for me. Lots of fun and frolics. Rhett being Father Christmas and allowing us to sit on his knee. There's a court case. Diana gave us lovely flowers, made Christmas crackers. And uh, so there was Diana, Marion, uh, Jill, S and Jill B, Rhett, Justin, Simon, Sheila and Raymond were in Anne and Barbara, Lisa and Karen and Jackie from Paddock Wood. So I hope you all had a, a very, very nice time. And uh, now we're properly into the holiday season. Over at the Eel Pie Club, they've got Gino Washington and his new rhythm and blues band playing, I think it's this Wednesday. Yeah, it must be. It's the 12th, isn't it? Details on eelpieclub.com, eelpieclub.com. Talking of supermarkets, says Bridget, Morrison's have caused a major furore by having a TV ad showing somebody giving their dog Christmas pudding, which contains raisins, which are toxic. To dog's causing kidney failure. Please say hi to Paul, my dad's lovely carer, who I found out yesterday is a massive LBC fan. So there you go. Hi, Paul, being massive fan. So don't give Christmas pudding to dogs. It's got raisins. Oh, by the way, the Pudsey calendar is out now. There's There's a Pudsey calendar as well. And uh, I I thought I'd mention that, just for all those people who go, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait to sort of buy the Pudsey Calendar. And uh, a true fan of mine, that's Marge at Lee Barn Stables. You're still not getting the hot water bottle, OK? Another one here, which says, uh, breaching confidential info is a sackable offence in most places. And so that's why it's, uh, you know, lack of insight... I'm afraid. So, yes, it's uh, it's this. But how it works from there to here, I don't know. That's that's what people are trying to find out. Some people are saying that they've broken the law in Australia. Other people are saying, no, their lawyers looked at it. They tried to contact the people, but they couldn't. So they're, they're probably covered that way. I can't wait to see how this finishes up, because it could have... Um, could have, uh, you know, amazing ramifications for people in this business about the things you can do and the things you can't do. Uh, one here, which says... Uh, Lisa says the two Australians have just released a statement. Have they? Have there's a statement? We'll have a check on that on the internet and find out. Remember the beadle prank where the woman comes uh, home to be told the council are putting a gent's public loo next to her house? I can remember that my funniest one, which is the simplest one, was where the council put up a set of traffic lights... On this woman's house, and they gave her a control box and said, "You have to control the traffic on the traffic lights." And she said, "Well, how, how am I going to do that? Do we have to set up all night and do it?" So she said, it was so funny, very, very funny. I quite like that. Once again, do not please do not give dogs Christmas pudding. They'll eat it, but it's not good for them. It's not good. Uh, Anne in Peckham says it's possible the hospital. Uh, accustomed to celebrities it's possible Receptionists are not allowed to question callers to verify the identity if you call a general hospital you are questioned you know why did this hospital not have the same policy well that's the question we'll ask later on nick ferrari will be asking that question they must have had something in place to protect their their royal visitor that's why but then certain people were not to know it for some reason they got lucky the call got put through and that's how it worked that's how it worked 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. The Australian radio presenters are going to appear. They're going to break their silence about the prank call today. This is news just in. Uh, Mel Gregg and Michael Christian will appear on three television shows this morning to speak for the first time about the call in which they tricked two nurses. They'll be quizzed about the incident on the Australian TV programme A Current Affair, Today Tonight and The Project. Uh, A tweet from Current Affairs says, first interview with the two Day FM DJs just recorded with Tracy Grimshaw. It's raw and emotional, the full uncut interview, 6.30 tonight. And a spokeswoman for the station's parent company, Southern Cross Osterio said the presenters want to speak about Miss Saldana's death. They're on indefinite leave from the station. They've been since been bombarded with abusive and threatening messages on social media websites. But a survey of 11,000 people in Australia found almost two-thirds of voters believe the presenters should not be blamed for the tragedy. Well, they can't be, because they didn't know. It's like getting in the car. You're not to know you're going to have an accident that day and possibly cause death by dangerous driving. You don't know. So, unfortunately, it's just... And a very, very, very unfortunate uh, act. Very, very unfortunate act. Whether it stops the station doing any more like this, I've got no idea. Duke of Cambridge, as you know, pulled out of attending last night's British military tournament to spend time with the Duchess. She's still recuperating in a hospital for this severe form of morning sickness. But the statement will be out later on today and they'll break their silence. And uh, from what we've heard, raw and emotional and the full uncut interview, six thirty. We'll, we'll. That's their time, so we'll, we'll probably get it a little bit later on today. So uh, eleven minutes past six. More of your texts and emails, which are coming. And we're very divided on this one. Actually, not as divided as I thought we would have been, but uh, but reasonably divided. Uh, some people say here that the hospital should have things in place to actually, uh, you know, make sure that this doesn't happen again. Well, it shouldn't have ever happened first time round, should it? Shouldn't. Uh, Went the Day Well is one of my favourite films, starring a young Thora Heard, if memory serves well. Says Kevin the Milkman. What is all this legalised cannabis nonsense again? Can't stop it, so legalise it. What next? Can't stop burglaries, so make it illegal to lock your front door and legalise theft. Maybe the police should just give up and all go home. But I'm glad the Facebook has had a good day yesterday. I couldn't make it, as I was in the studio with the rest of the punk rock group I played bass guitar with. We're recording in January. Woo! bosh posh, posh. Uh, another one here. It says, uh, reading uh, today that James Arthur has apparently slagged off previous winner Matt Cardle. It's so low he hasn't even released a record yet, so he's in no position to judge Matt's an amazing talent and trying to make it on his own terms. Yes. Yes, in fact, Matt Cardle's album is fabulous. James Arthur just looks like a peculiar-looking thug, I'm afraid, with funny little earrings in and everything else. Uh, whether it's a career, I've got no idea. Uh, thankfully... Uh, Not quite as big as a musical Nuremberg rally. Last night's X Factor, says John in Harrow-on-the-Hill. Finally, Condon, sorry, Condon Attractive, over three million phone votes, which at 35 pence a call would have brought in a million pounds. Uh, Simon Cowell has yet remembered that P.T. Barnum once famously said there's a sucker born every minute. But do you know where the money goes, John? Do you know where the money goes from the phone calls? I've told you this before. Shouldn't have to tell you again. Say you making a horrible mistake and thinking that it goes into Simon Cowell's pocket. It does not. He gives it very generously to the Entertainment Artist Benevolent Fund. So there. So we should expect apology by return. I'd hate to have to pass your details on to him so he sues. Because he's very generous with the money from the phone calls. Uh, one here says, thank you to everyone who came to the donor event at Wood Green. Great response. That's the ACLT volunteer in West London. What's happened to the other nurse that passed the information? I don't know. I don't know. She's not been named. She's not been named. I mean, I I should imagine she's probably sitting there thinking, well, it can't be far away from me, can it? I suppose. Uh, Young Gloria says, uh, woke up yesterday morning to snow. And it continued all day. This is Denmark, by the way, just in case you all get a little bit worried, saying, where is the snow? We're waiting for the tractor to come down again with the grit and the snowplough. Costs us 70 quid a year for his service, but well worth every penny. Fortunately, as you know, we had winter tyres fitted a couple of weeks ago. But as we are retired, we ain't going anywhere today, getting the porridge on now and the log burner flashed up. I think by that they mean, uh, you know, and that's... All these pictures come in backwards to me. It's a lot of snow, Gloria. It looks absolutely wonderful. It's great as long as you're staying in with hot porridge. Yum, yum. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. Morning, 17 minutes past six. Snow, 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 snow. Not here, in Denmark, which is lovely, which is lovely. And Gloria's over there, so they've just uh, stacked the fire up. They've got the porridge on. And they look at because I think it looks beautiful. Forests, which are covered in snow. When we cut down the Christmas tree a few years back, it was just... It was so cold. I can't tell you how cold. My feet are the worst thing. They always go first. My feet... Are co- Hands were cold. Everything was cold. It was just bitter, but pretty... So pretty, absolutely beautiful. It really was, and nice. So when we get the snow eventually over here, and mark my words, we will be getting snow over here. You just have to sort of make sure you're you're braced for it. They've got two twins in the paper. T- two twins? What I'm talking about? They've got twins in the paper today. So sorry. And uh, they're too young to walk. They're nine months old. But what can they do? They can swim underwater. They are water babies. They are original... I mean, it's an extraordinary talent. Apparently, it emerged during a family holiday to Cyprus, where they both jump... I mean, how they learn to sort of go and swim underwater with their eyes open, and they suddenly set off. They did five metres, and then they went under the water, and yet they're, they're nine months old. How do you learn at nine months old you can't breathe when you go under the water? I think they just sort of hold their mouths tightly shut. It's Unbelievable. Because I used to be able to, when I was little, not as little as that, admittedly, um, I, I could open my eyes underwater. Now I can't. I tried it a short while ago. I can't even do it in the bath. Because, you know, you, you could lie there. You could open your eyes underwater. I was very good at swimming along, you know, without goggles on. But these are only nine months old. It's such a good picture. It's nice to have something decent, a, a, an interesting story, in these days of doom and gloom and stuff like that. Uh, in the event of his death, the astronomer... Patrick Moore, who's died at the age of eighty nine, is quite clear about what he wanted. He wouldn't want uh he, w- he wouldn't want a funeral, but a party. Lots of drink, plenty of show. And so that's what's uh that's what's gonna happen. Short stay in hospital. He died in the company of close friends and carers, and his cat as well, which is nice. So he he died happy, he was eighty-nine. He had done The Sky at Night for fifty-five years, which makes him, I think, the longest running host of the same TV show. The final programme was broadcast just last Monday, and he only missed one episode because he had some food poisoning in 2004, then he became wheelchair-bound. But uh, 89, 89, so he wants a bit of a party, and uh, no doubt he will get it as well. More of your texts and emails this morning. let try and get through as many of these as possible. Uh, I got sent in a lovely picture by, uh, by Gordon, who took a picture uh, from the Shard. And he's got access to the uh, Qatari family's barbecue area, and this is it doesn't help does it really but this is the view from the top of the shard. I feel quite physically sick looking at it. It's that high that's the top of the that's the the top of the shard it's quite high up, isn't it wouldn't want, to f- wouldn't want to fall out of one of those windows. See, that's the trouble. You see, I would buy a flat there. They're about 10 mil, so I'd probably buy a couple, you know, just adjoining ones, just just, just to keep us little places for people to pop into, ladies and gentlemen. I'd have a little bit of a Christmas party just by myself in a box of Twiglets. You know, it'd be quite nice. But I always worry about the windows in flats, especially in buildings as high as that. If you leant on it and the window fell out, that would be my worst. I would have to walk around strapped to a wire or something that could be affixed to the middle of the room. Because I'd be so frightened. Things like that frighten me a lot, actually. I've got this fear of falling out of places. Buses, parties, you know, everything. And, and so when we went to the Winter Wonderland the other week, when they do that big ride where it drops you from a great height, that's, that's the thing that kind of freaks me out. But this, this picture, it looks fantastic, Gordon. Uh, in Charlwood now, formerly of uh, Betchworth. He said there were some decent singers on the X Factor this year, but the only talent was James Arthur and Lucy Spraggan. How long before the story comes out of what's happened to Lucy? What did happen to Lucy? Did Lucy Spraggan just I don't... I can't remember what happened on that one. Was there something that I I don't... I don't know about? Or perhaps I'm not aware of. Am I being incredibly naive? I did take a... Oh, I tell you, I got on the bus the other day, having been to Saddler's Wells, and then we went to Joe Allen's, which was wonderful. And I get on the bus, and there's a family. A Chinese woman, her daughter and her husband, sitting on two seats, eating a Chinese takeaway they're holding they're eating with chopsticks on the on the bus now as far as i'm concerned people who eat food on the bus are tramps okay it's it's as disgusting to me as people doing their makeup and we had this big discussion i was with these four ladies on saturday night at the theater and we all agreed that putting your makeup on the train means you're a tramp it's just the lowest of the low and people sit there with it you look at them and you think Oh, it's as bad to me as people putting their feet up on the seat. That is the worst ever, I'm afraid. But it was, they were eating a Chinese meal, Neil. He says, I was only joking about the family using chopsticks. You replied, they were unbelievable. Great to hear that some of your fans had a nice meet-up at the weekend. As you know, some of us also met up last week as well. See how you're bringing everybody together? I'm doing my best. Doing me, best for Christmas. Doing me best. Uh, yes. Strangely enough, Gordon and Charlwood, You obviously your fingers stuck on the button. You've now sent it five times, which is very sweet. Thank you. There's a limit to how many times I can feel ill looking at a at a at a picture from the top of the Shard. It, it is a beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. It is very very good. My sister Pam and I went to the Dorchester on Friday for high tea to celebrate her fiftieth birthday. So wish her a happy birthday, says Paul. Absolutely fantastic. Very enjoyable. Did you get to Wilton's yesterday for their bric-a-brac sale? The auditorium currently has the builders in. Lovely. Love it when the builders go in. Really, really pleased. Uh, I'm in Nigeria for my best friend's wedding, says Kelly. I've got most of the hotel staff listening to you. There you go. Now, I bet you've got nice weather. I bet you've got nice weather. I mean, it is a bit chilly over Just a little bit chilly. I nearly put a vest on this morning and then I suddenly realized, I don't have a vest. I don't actually possess vests. It's a, something you only have when, you, when you're little, isn't it? You don't actually... As you get a bit old, you don't have that. We have T-shirts. Do women have vests, do you think? I'd love to do a survey in the building of whether or not women have vests and things like that. Or an all-in-one combination outfit or something. You know, some little shenanigan thing, probably with little lacy buttons or something. I don't know. All far too girly for me. Uh, Patrick Moore, Steve, says, Neil, one of our great British eccentrics, is what makes somebody eccentric... Is it because, I don't know, I work with some fairly eccentric people. Some of them are more eccentric than others. You know, sometimes at different times of the day, you know, people become more eccentric. Early in the morning, people are fairly eccentric. I think I work with a few eccentrics in the morning. He says, mentioning no names, They'll all we go, oh, do you think it's me, do you think it's me? We'll never find out, will we? More of your texts and emails. I have a copy. Steve, of Went the Day Well. It's available as a three-disc set along with Ice Cold in Alex and I Was Monty's Double, which is fantastic. And it was a public information film to show the nation how not to take things for granted. And, by the way, I'm driving to Sweden next week via Denmark. If the weather stays as it is, I could get stranded over Christmas. Oh, there you go. Simon from Surrey Keys had a a gorgeous meal at Kitchen in King's Cross yesterday. Great to meet up with fellow crumblings, and thank you, Rhett, for your secret Santa present. Uh, We swapped presents as well, have we? Oh, right. With the X Factor in mind, myself and JJ, says Iceman, went to see the bodyguard. Really is a must-see. At one stage, thought she was miming. Thought she was miming to a Whitney song. She was that good. Hmm, hmm. Uh Patient confidentiality doesn't apply to the Queen, making this a case of caller authentication, says Frank. There you go. It was, uh, it, the stunt that went wrong was on the Noel Edmonds show. Uh, I used to see a woman on the the New York subway eating raw, raw uh, fish, says Frank. Oh dear, how disgusting. How horrible. I can't stand anybody eating. Just eating on the bus is enough to drive me mad, I'm afraid. It is the kind of thing that... Oh, I must tell you as well, this... I knew there was something I was going to mention to you. Well, there's quite a number of things. This coming Sunday, I know it's a week away. I know it's a week away. But the in-conversation is going to be Dustin Hoffman... And Billy Crystal, so we've got two Hollywood legends on in conversation this coming week, so Dustin Hoffman and Billy Crystal, okay, which is fantastic. Never in a million years says Noreen, would I go up the shard like you have a fear of the windows falling out? Isn't it funny? I've thought about that loads of times, so think if you leant on them and then the window just sort of dropped out, I would I, that, that really does frighten me. I don't know why uh, eight four eight five oh. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Nick and the team will be talking about the hospital today and the sad thing about the nurse. And Chris in Watford says, talking about nice hot porridge, a spoonful of baileys on the top. What, for breakfast? Baileys on porridge for breakfast. I mean, that's a sign of an alcoholic, isn't it? Dear, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, regarding the X Factor, says, William, whatever happened to Christopher Bologna? Uh, he turned up drunk, apparently, according to some of the papers. He turned up drunk and uh, was offensive. So (laughs) they decided that uh, it wasn't best that he went in. wasn't best that he went in at all. So, Nick Ferrari this morning, Andrew Neaver, the London Evening Standard comment editor, will be looking at the papers. They'll be talking about the Royal Baby Hoax scandal, what happens now. Now you know that the Australian radio presenters, they have already taped, they've already started taping one of three programmes. They've already recorded Tracy Grimshaw, who is the presenter of A Current Affair, and that'll be going out at 6.30 tonight, their time. I don't know what time it is for, for us, but no doubt, the moment it goes out, you'll be hearing clips on LBC 97.3. Finally, let me just quickly run through the front pages of the papers. If we've got enough time, very fast. Daily Mail. Uh, this morning, Patrick Moore and the tragic fiancé he never got over. Uh, John Major, urging Tory opponents of gay marriage to accept we all live in the 21st century. Well, you never convince some people, will you? Uh, the Man United, Mayhem, Coins thrown at Rio Ferdinand. Uh, James the First, the most dreary-looking X Factor winner I've ever seen amount my t- and desperately unattractive as well. I can't buy an album from somebody not attractive. Uh, Fury of the Nurse's Husband. This is the royal hoax nurse uh, Jacintha Saldana's husband. is livid at the way she was dealt with by hospital bosses. That will no doubt come out a little bit later on today. What of the other nurse, though? That's what everybody's asking about. What about the other nurse? I don't even know the other nurse's name. Daily Express, Sir Patrick Moore, the astronomer and broadcaster, died age 89. I interviewed him once... I can't do his impression, actually. That sounded like Prince Charles again, I'm afraid. They all sound like Prince Charles. I'm, what's the matter with me recently? But I, I can picture him, and he played the xylophone, and he was very good at playing the xylophone. I, I was never very good at playing the xylophone at all, I'm afraid. Um, an urgent warning's now been issued to Britons, according to the Daily Express today. It's always something, isn't it, on the front. There was an urgent warning, and the urgent warning is... Act quickly or face a lifetime of chronic illness and early death caused by diabetes. Apparently that's the thing that's going to get you. Uh, An epidemic of obesity-fuelled diabetes ran a new sk down his face because people were throwing coins. Uh, James wins the sex factor. Apparently he cozied up to to Caroline Flack. I mean, it's not that difficult, is it? Not exactly the most difficult person to hang on to, I suppose. Blizzards are on the way. I'm predicting they're not. I'm actually saying that uh, it's going to be a little bit of snow this week. Nothing too much to worry about. That'll disappear and it should be dry over. Cambridge back uh, this, this scene in your entire life who won the X Factor. I only hope the album is a bit more exciting. But we've got the tour to go through, first gun podcast for you. Up in 30 minutes, looking at some of those favourite celebrities that we all love so very much, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Nick of the team with you from 7 Coming up next on LBC ninety seven point three this morning, it's the morning news with Susan Buchbar and any time to London's biggest conversation. LBC ninety seven point three. Download the brand new free LBC app for iPhone and iPad. Go to the App Store or lbc.co.uk. The new LBC app. Joining us this Monday, the tenth.